Okay, we're live. Pancreation Philosophy, episode 39. I'm your host, Pocholo Cruz, and with me today is my guest. Yeah, I'm Brendan Toyama, uh, grappling coach over at Seatown Grappling. Do a lot of strength and condition- conditioning. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's mainly how I've heard about you, Brendan. Like, yeah. uh, my, our, my previous guest, like Gabe Stinson, yeah. like, has <clears> talked about, yeah. you know, training with you a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, he's, you know been real vocal about about how you helped them <clears throat> yeah so awesome. uh, how, how did you get started i guess grappling yeah so i started grappling in 2012 so it's been about seven years okay um <clears throat> i was just doing some sort of martial arts um i hadn't really done much of anything before then i'd done okay you know a couple classes here did a little bit of fencing in school uh took a couple classes of kendo realized that was a lot of structure and you really <laughs> didn't get to hit people very much <laughs> So uh, <laughs> it was not not yeah, particularly it exciting. What you, yeah, what, what yeah. You thought it was. It was not what I thought it'd yeah. be. Yeah, it sounded cool. Yeah, because um, when I think Ken, I was like, oh, you just show up and just hit people with yeah. sticks, right? And I think yeah. as you progress to the higher levels, there is more of that. Mm-hmm. But it was going to be like a year of like you know hitting oh. the air and stuff like that, and oh, I wasn't okay. wasn't that serious about it. Um, had done a little tiny bit of striking, okay. very very little. Did like a month of Muay Thai. Things like that, um, but earlier before, maybe I believe in about 2007, I had a pretty serious brain injury, and so oh, no. I've been trying to avoid um, any any Some additional kind of brain traumas. That's yeah. why I didn't go into yeah. striking or MMA things like that. So I went for grappling. Okay. Um, so I was looking into different schools in the area. I was living in Muckleshoot at the time, um, and Sea Town was uh, like North Seattle, so yeah. pretty accessible. You know, I wasn't hitting much traffic going in. Um, I originally heard about them because I was looking into Sambo. Okay, the Sambo. Yeah, because I was interested in doing the ground and the stand-up. Okay. And so just, you know, um, even from a um, beginner's uh, understanding, it seemed like the BJJ was very ground-centric, the judo was very stand-up-centric, um, and I was really looking for something that could do both. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> exactly. So I gave the head coach a call, Aaron Fields at the time, um, founder um, at the time was the head coach, so I gave him a call, and he basically said, yeah, we do a lot of do a lot of stand-up, we do a lot of groundwork. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very, very club-centric. Um you know, some some competitors, sure. And as he said, like, um, that wasn't their focus. Their focus was training. It wasn't on competition. Uh, but they trained as if they were going to compete. Okay. So, that, you know, you still want to make sure that your skills are that yeah. your skills are good, that you're in shape. But uh, but their focus wasn't competition. That's For him, that's how he's always been. You know, he's a firefighter. Um, that's his main career. Goes around the country teaching. Um, and so the focus was never competition so the club's never been specifically competition mind, uh, mm-hmm. minded although people certainly do um, so yeah, I gave him a call he said come on in and uh, that was kind of how it started okay. um, I went in you know you do like the introductory stuff you know basic warm ups things like that um, they had me do a somersault uh, which actually from the brain injury was like a move that was, movement I was very uncomfortable with okay. um, just kind of lacked that body awareness to be able to move in space and be aware of where my body was and so mm-hmm. uh, they said you know just go ahead and do a somersault and I said okay cool head planted straight into the ground Ooh. and uh, yeah I think they yeah. thought like I was going to last like maybe <laughs> maybe half a practice you know like <laughs> yeah. yeah so not, yeah. Like, not necessarily like, the best first impression from there no yeah. no it was not the best first impression you yeah. know and obviously it's an intimidating environment and you're walking in you know mm-hmm. and uh, everybody seems big and tough you know at the time I weighed like 148 pounds. Oh wow! This is like okay, so almost 40 pounds ago. Okay. So I was much smaller. Um, I was doing a lot of rock climbing at the time. Okay. So I had a lot of lot of strength, a lot of grip strength, mm-hmm. but more in kind of that like body weight type strength, mm-hmm. um, things like that. I was doing some weightlifting as well, but you know on a much more compact compact frame. And um, so that was the one place where right away I could do well was on the grip, the grip stuff. Okay. Um, because, like how long had you had you been rock climbing before? A couple of years. Okay. A couple of years. So you've gone long enough where you built up a pretty good degree of grip strength and so like if I grab onto someone's gi and judo like 
they really can't break that grip. Mm, um, or okay. if I grab someone's wrist, uh, it's hard for them to break it. Um, of course, that's not really a sustainable uh, <laughs> technique to just hold people's wrist yeah. for, uh, all day long. Yeah. But, uh, it's you a know, good start for something. It's a good start. Sure. It gave you yeah. something. You know, yeah. I, I certainly had the athleticism, uh, but definitely lacked some of that body awareness and things like that. And so, um, yeah, so I started training there and uh, pretty much started going to pretty much every class they had, which is four days a week. Okay. Um, so it's pretty much going to that, and um, yeah, just kind of kept go- kept going from there. Gabe and Vincent, you know, who you know, uh, yeah. we're both we're well, both there. Unfortunately, the both now. Yeah, and yeah. also I met I met Andrew. <laughs> That's right, you met yeah. Andrew too. Andrew was yeah. not there at the time. Okay, he had been there before me, then left to go on his you know world uh, tour. World tour, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go through his dark he's period. Dark place world. Yeah, tour. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so. yeah. So I didn't meet him until about a year a year after I started training. Okay, so and uh, you're training, and then I guess what is uh. I mean, maybe not the best first day with the summer sub, but like, so what about, uh, what about it made you want to keep continuing? Yeah. You know, I think I love the competition side of it. Okay. You know, the physicality of it. Um, yeah, that, that was really what it was all about for me, mm-hmm. you know, was <clears throat> a healthy outlet okay. for some aggression as well, you okay. know, um, and be able to train that. Um, it was also just a really fun, fun place to train, right? Everybody was hanging out after drinking beer. Um, so it was a fun, fun place to train. You know, we certainly worked hard, but it was nice to have that balance as Got well. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, I think I took to it pretty quickly, and so that made it more fun because mm-hmm. you were good at it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that, 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 certainly, that certainly helped things along, you know, to be able to progress quickly. That made oh. it more exciting. Um, okay. So you mentioned, like, competition. So, like, how, mm-hmm. like, how early did you start competing? Yeah, I wanted to compete after like a month. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm ready. I, I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready, coach. Put me in. He's like, no. Okay. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> my first competition was after like about a year and a half of training. A year and a half of training? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, how, how did that go for you? I went good. I won. Yeah. Okay. So, that was good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. At the time, because of because of our skill set based on like you know stand up and ground work, mm-hmm. you know I was really looking for competition that allowed that, that right, allowed both. Um, which yeah. was not so much jujitsu and judo. And so I was interested in what's called freestyle judo, freestyle judo, which is okay. basically like old school judo, right? Oh, so okay. you start in the stand up, you can win by epone, mm-hmm. but they're going to let you work on the ground. They're not going to stand you up. So okay. if you if you need to work um, on the ground, you need to work your pins. You can do that, but you can't just pull guard either. So, but if you have the skills to get to the ground, um, they will let you work there. Okay. Unless it's just complete stalling, but they're going to give you time. Got it. Um, <clears throat> and of course, you can also win by pin as well. So that really seemed to fit my skill set more. And so I talked to my coach about that, and he was like, "You know, yeah, that's fine. That that seems to fit pretty well. Um, you're not very good, uh, but in many cases, a lot of these guys are actually worse. So that was that was kind of what I just made. It was like, it was like, you know, yeah, these guys you hear about, yeah. like a lot of them are, are like complete crap, and you're okay. just like mostly crap. So you probably yeah. do all right, yeah. you know. Yeah, you're not complete crap. <laughs> yeah, you're not complete crap. So. Um, <laughs> great, yeah, some great words of wisdom for okay. And this yeah. is about like a year and a half. It's about a year and a half, a little, little less. Okay, yeah, a little so less than a year and a half. Freestyle judo. Freestyle judo, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> which is a pretty, pretty small sport. It's not so, big. It's, it's through the AAU, the Amateur Athletic Union. Okay. Um, but it's a pretty small sport. It's gotten a little bit bigger now, but it's fairly small. Um, okay. Yeah, Steve Scott and Marie Demars, uh, Ronda Rousey's mother, kind of two of the main people with that, um, okay. organizing that because they kind of didn't really like where judo was going um, internationally with the IJF. Okay. Um, so they kind of started that. Um, this was back in 2014. Okay, 2014. Yeah, okay. so <clears throat> they had what's called Freestyle Judo Nationals, which we thought sounded bigger. It turned out just to be like a competition. Okay. You know, there was no, there was yeah. no preliminary requirements to get there. You just show up. Then it's a competition, you know? And uh, 
So I actually went down there with Vincent, Vincent Lee. I, I actually, I yeah. think he mentioned, yeah, he mentioned yeah. the story before. But okay, and like, yeah. but down there, like, where was the where was the tournament at? It was in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, a so bit we, of a we traveled. We traveled for it. We traveled for it. You know. Okay. And uh, yeah. yeah, which made it fun though. I think you know yeah. when you're traveling for competition, you're definitely a little more focused for. It. Like we trained yeah. really hard for it's it. It's like a business. Trip. Really hard. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, you were yeah. just you know really getting the reps in. You know, practicing every day and then. Just staying late after practice, working in the throws, and just uh, you know making sure our strength and conditioning was on point, and just really putting in the work, you know, because um, okay. you know, we put in a big investment to go down there. So of course we wanted to wanted to get the win. Yeah. Um, Vincent competed at one thirty five. Okay. I competed at one fifty five. At one fifty five. So yeah. You're a little. So you're not. You weren't at one forty eight. Yeah, I was about I was about ten pounds heavier. 10 pounds heavier. Uh, we went down. Um, knowing we had to cut a little bit of weight, but not that much. Okay. Was it day before weigh-in? Or day was before it weigh-ins. Day before yeah, weigh-ins. Yeah, which was okay. good. Yeah. Um, so I went to a gym, you know, to go to a sauna and mm-hmm. cut a little weight. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Vincent ended up having a little bit more than he thought he would have to cut. I think he had like maybe yeah. two and a half, three pounds. The fat bastard. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. He, and he had really dieted for this. I really hadn't done anything. Okay. Because um, like, walking around, like how much were you weighing? It's like 157. Okay, so. Yeah, so it was that, fine. That it was fine. Yeah. No, so, and I ended up only having like a pound and a half to cut okay. to make the limit. Um, so it was, pre- it was pretty easy cut for me. You know, I went in the sauna and I'd spend a lot of time in the sauna anyway. So okay. I'm very comfortable just like going in the sauna and putting in an hour. Just for like workouts? Um, yeah, just after workouts, workout kind of get some recovery in, you know, a lot of benefits. So it was easy for me. It wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent really, I think, you know, is a, small, a little smaller body type. I think he really had trouble getting the weight off. Okay. And so we were in there. I, I had already got down to 155. And Vincent, <clears throat> the weight really wasn't coming off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we had to, I had to make him stay in the sauna. Oh, dang. I mean, actually, it's a steam room, which was worse, right? Because you kind of oh, you oh, feel that yeah, burning a bit it's, more. It's not a dry sauna. It's, like it's not a dry sauna. It's okay. a wet sauna, yeah. steam room. And so you really feel that respiratory respiratory burn a bit more. Yeah. Um, a little bit more unpleasant to cut weight in, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to keep him in there. Um, he did manage to stay in there, which it was like a... You know, fairly nice gym facility. Mm-hmm. So it probably can't, seemed a little weird when someone else walked in and Vincent's like on the ground, like I gotta get out of here. But I got a guy's like Vincent, you shut up and you're gonna stay in here. And so like, yeah, what's going? What's going? Just like holding yeah. holding him down in the steam room. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I definitely like relate. Like. Sometimes using like commercial gym, like as a sauna, yep, <laughs> yep. and then it'll be like awkward, you know, yeah, you'd be like, yeah. old, like older people are walking, like, what the hell's up with these, yeah, <laughs> what's up with these people, yeah, everybody but, looks, yeah. looks miserable when they yeah. walk in, yeah, <laughs> but okay, yeah. so you guys both ended up making, we did, we did end up making weight, okay, um, and then <clears throat> we were. It was actually like a fairly hard process for us to, to make weight. I mean, just because getting Vincent on weight, and so yeah. we were really happy when we made it. <clears throat> um, so we went out and celebrated. Um, I wasn't really thinking at the time that you probably shouldn't drink after cutting weight. <laughs> uh, you should probably rehydrate. Yeah. So um, at the time, I drank quite a bit. Um, not not in excess, but I just tended to have a few drinks for dinner, things like that. Yeah. Um, that was just more common for me. Um, so I had a few drinks for dinner. Mm-hmm. Didn't really think much of it. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> Vincent wakes up in the morning and uh, to the sound of someone vomiting. <laughs> and <laughs> turns out a couple drinks of dinner is... Uh, after cutting weight is a bit more like, you know, maybe 10 mm-hmm. and, uh, in terms of how it's going to affect your body. So, uh, <clears throat> pretty rough morning. Um, went to the, went to the competition, um, was trying to warm up, really couldn't, couldn't do the rolls, got too sick, threw up again. Yeah. And, um, but of course we traveled all this way, so we're going to compete. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I think most of the other guys there were definitely not as in shape as I was, mm-hmm. you know, um, they were a bit younger. I think the t- there was only, only be two guys in my, 
weight class. Okay, a couple so of guys didn't, didn't show up. The weight class, and it was just kind of random. Like, the weight class above me had, like, eight guys, and mine just had three. And so oh, really? it, it just depended, you know. Yeah. I think there's a lot yeah. more guys at 165, 175, 155, not oh, as so much. Oh, so there was, like, a lot of pound increments. <clears throat> yeah, like, exactly. It's, like, every yeah. 10 pounds, okay. something like that. And so there were some other guys, different weight classes, but a little less than mine, uh, which worked out well for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, and they ended up being, like, 17 you know, like high school judo oh, so competing, young, yeah. <clears throat> competing, but they've been training for like ten years. Oh, okay. so, so, so they, they, they know been, what they're they've doing. Been, they've been involved. They, they had yeah. some skill for sure. They, you know, they weren't someone you were just going to walk completely walk over. But I was able to get the win despite being a little bit a little bit impaired. Okay, and uh, so that was good. First match went pretty easy. The kid was just um, not a lot of strength, and so I was able to. But, but the other kid was a little bit t- much tougher. The second, one um, yeah, yeah. So I was able to get the win over him, but he definitely put up put up put, was able to put up more of a fight based on just the strength. Okay, um, strength that he had to match up with me. Um, but yeah, overall, so got got the result we wanted. You know, it was definitely I was definitely not as on point as I wanted to be with mm-hmm. the with the uh, with the weight cut and the drinking. Uh, but the competition <laughs> yeah. definitely wasn't what I thought it was either. So okay. I ended up being able to being able to get the win, which was, which was obviously good. Okay. Um, Vincent got, Vincent got second, so uh, which wasn't wasn't a bad result for him yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that was your first competition. So mm-hmm. what was um I guess so what 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 were some things that. I guess that you expected and actually what happened mm-hmm. and what were some things that you didn't quite expect and like learn from it. Yeah, you know, definitely learn not to drink when cutting. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a big one. Yeah. You know, but really for me, like that was a competition where I think my mindset was probably the best it was. I think actually I got progressively worse at competing as I went on. Huh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, I think part of it was I viewed that as a huge competition. In reality, looking back, it was like a normal size competition, right? But at the time, you know, freestyle Geo Nationals, it sounds like yeah. you're traveling, traveling to Louisiana. Yeah. It sounds like a big deal. And so I think by taking it that seriously, it was really a positive thing, yeah. right? So if I had if I had thought of it as like just another competition, mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't have brought it as much. But yeah. I thought this is like huge credentials. This is going to really put me on the map. Yeah. Um, you know, the guys I compete against, you know, they're like, you know, they're brown belts. So like, you know, me after a year and a half, I was like, you know, I really want to really bring that and see where my skills are at. And so... It meant more, yeah. and I think there's something positive to that. You know, like yeah. you're really focused, you're just 100 yeah. percent committed, you're just in it. And I just felt like, um, you know, you, you just have to win. Like I traveled this far, it's a big competition. Like you just have to win. And so, like you know, so really for me, being hungover, like it was obviously impairing me. Had the level of competition been higher, it could have worked out worse for me. But in the end, it really didn't matter because I just felt like you just have to win. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're not your best. It feels bad. You just gotta win. Yeah. You just gotta get through it. So. Yeah, but I guess you know with that with the way you're looking at or the outlook of mm-hmm. it is that your preparation. Or, like, yeah. About, about how many weeks of preparation did you say? Like, um, like dedicated practice. Yeah, we were definitely training. Like I was training hard pretty much from the day I started. From honestly. Day start, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but like for like three yeah. months before the competition, when I decided yeah. I was gonna do it, we yeah. were training. You know, four days a week. Usually staying like half an hour to an hour after. Mm-hmm. We'd often often like wrap fifty to hundred throws each extra okay. at the end, and then yeah. you know I usually lift like. Six to ten times a week. Okay. Conditioning. So yeah. Yeah. So we were training hard. We were yeah. training hard. You know. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we were uh, as prepared as we could have been. I think at that at that point in you know in skill level. Okay. Um. Yeah. So overall it went well. Um. From there came back. Uh, entered a BJJ competition. Okay. Uh, proving proving grounds. Oh, proving grounds. Okay. Yeah. And like, how many? So how many like weeks or like months? Is it was like two months. Two months, two months, two months later. Months yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was definitely. More uncomfortable on the ground, <clears throat> uh, really much more comfortable on the stand up, like okay. to throw, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> ended up getting went ahead and competed at blue belt. Okay, so I felt like um, my coach said that was fine. He felt like that was like competitive for me. You know, yeah. I, I could win or lose there, but that was competitive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up winning, uh, proving grounds. Again, it ended up being a small field in my weight class, um, and basically won the matches where I threw into a pin and submitted them, and okay. lost, lost the ones where we rolled around the ground a lot, got kind of triangle, but but yeah, did well enough to win there. Um, <clears throat> From there, went on to Revolution, 
okay. which is obviously a bigger show than Proving Grounds. Yeah. Uh, went to Purple Belt after a little over a year and a half of training. Okay. Um, lost there, as you can imagine. The, the skill jump yeah. was pretty significant, you know. Yeah. Um, you're going to these guys have been competing, you know, five years, ten years, you know, things like that. Yeah, Obviously belts. much yeah, much higher level, yeah. yeah. Um, first the match. The groundwork as well. Yeah. The groundwork as well, right? Yeah. And so... You know, the first guy came out, and I think, I think he pulled guard off the beginning. Oh. And so I was like, not, not I'm in yeah, trouble. Like, not I'm in trouble. Yeah, this is not yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> this is not good. This guy's ready for this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because I showed up in a judo gi. Oh. And so they're like, like okay. The grit, the, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. we're going to pull guard. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's not give this guy a chance, you know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we can be on the stand-up, but why take the risk, you know. Okay. And so um, he, managed, he managed to tap me out from the back. Took my back. Um, lasted like four minutes. I had a second match. It was double elimination. Um, that one went to a decision. Okay. Uh, but lost that. Um, but still felt okay about that result, you know, surviving mm-hmm. at that level of that experience was, was not a complete loss for me. Yeah. Um, then went back to competing in judo. Uh, actually went out to Milwaukee for the AAU Judo Nationals. Okay. Which is separate from freestyle judo. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess so for the people that don't know, like, what, okay, what's the difference between freestyle <laughs> judo and, like, yeah. Like Olympic judo, I guess. Yeah, so an Olympic judo, yeah. you know, um, IJF, International Judo Federation, yeah. um, the rules have become pretty pretty, pretty restrictive. Okay. So, <clears throat> you know, you're not really allowed to do a lot of, uh, like, cross grips. If you have a back grip, you can only hold it for a very short amount of time. You have to throw right away. Mm-hmm. And so they're really trying to eliminate stalling okay. um, is what they, what they say. Yeah. Um, you can't attack the legs. There's some stuff, whereas in freestyle, in AAU, you can attack the legs. Okay. There's some stuff where it feels like there's a debate as to whether they're trying to differentiate themselves from wrestling to ensure that judo stays in the Olympics. So there was some talk about, should we have both for a while? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so they may be trying to differentiate themselves. There's also some debate about high-level wrestlers coming into judo with only like le- with only like singles and doubles and yeah. winning. Yeah. And so there's some debate about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's really evidence that like that was like the that they were coming in like absolutely dominating. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there were some guys who were coming in doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so that's that's really the difference. Also, there's not a lot of groundwork time. Uh, you know, you hit the ground, and you better be in a pin or a submission right away. If it's, like, a couple seconds, they're going to stand you right up. Okay. And uh, is, is that, so does the groundwork time, is that mainly on, like, the referee's discretion? It's on the referee's discretion, okay. yeah. <clears throat> but it's going to be typically very short. Typically very short. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you throw into a pin, they're going to let you get your time to pin. If okay. you didn't win on ePone, which means basically you won on the throw alone. Okay. Um, or, you know, if you get, get, go for a submission, meaning like, you know, you hit the ground, you're rolling for an arm bar right away. Yeah, so you know? as soon as it hits the ground, yeah. essentially. Yeah, but like there's that. not a lot of guys, it's less common in judo now, because they just don't train the groundwork that much, because it's not a big part of the game anymore. Yeah. So like guys like Travis Stevens, that's still a big part of their game. Mm-hmm. But for the average judo, judoka, that's not a big part of their game. It's really very throw specific. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, really just, you know, no, no legs, lapel, lapel sleeve or on the back. A lot of those grips. Um, so in AAU judo or freestyle judo, they're going to give you more time on the ground. They're going to let you attack the legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to let you hold grips for longer. Things like that. So it's a much more much more simple rule set. Mm-hmm. It's a much more pure rule set. Is what judo was. You know, back in say the eighties, probably the nineties, things like that. Before the rule set got changed a lot. Okay. Um, so if it's if it's our game better, right? We attack the legs. You know, a little more sambo centric. We spend quite a bit of time on the ground. So it fit for what we were doing, um, <clears throat> and it was fun to travel and go places and things like that. So. Yes, I went to Milwaukee for the AAU Judo Nationals, which is different from freestyle judo because the two argue about, like, you know, small, small minutia. So it's not freestyle judo, but it's not... But it basically is. Okay. It basically is. Okay, so... (laughs) I don't know what their difference is, but it really seems just based on who's running it. Got it. But so it's not freestyle judo, but it's not exactly... 
Olympics yeah, you know you exactly, so. exactly. And the level of competition compared to like you know USJA, like where the you know Olympic feeder system is going to be much much lower, right? Okay. Uh, much lower. Um, but there's of course still some good, still some good competitors as well. Okay. Um, you know, certainly some legit black belts, but not not the world class level you're going to see. At, you know, some of the other competitions where you might see someone like Travis Stevens, you know, Kayla, <coughs> Kayla Harris, Ronda Rousey, people like that would not would not be in this in this group. You know, they're going to be they're going to be going to international competitions, building up toward that through the through the USJA. But um, yeah, so I went out to Milwaukee. Um, they actually let me compete in two weight classes, two weight classes, which is cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so I actually competed at, <coughs> and they theirs were. Um, a little different. This is like 160, 170. Okay. So then we competed both, which was cool. Because, um, you know, I traveled. So to get more matches in is always yeah. a good thing. Um, <clears throat> it was at a, like, big state fair. Okay. And so it was, like, on concrete. What? Oh, concrete. Yeah. <clears throat> on con- and they brought was these, like, like outdoors or thin like mats. It was yeah. inside. It was, like, it was in, a, okay. in a big, uh, you know, like, event center. Okay. And so the mats are maybe, like, one inch thick. Ugh. Which for judo is not ideal. Because yeah. you know you're going to get thrown, right? Yeah. Or people are going to get thrown. Yeah. And so people are getting kind of jacked up. Um, it was yeah. definitely, like, the worst setup that I competed on, I think. Okay. For a judo-specific match. Yeah. Um, yeah, first. So I went at 160 first. They kind of staggered it a little bit. And um, <clears throat> went to the gold medal match. I uh, lost that there. Um, actually got a micro fracture in my tibia oh, damn. In, that, in that match fighting it fighting an Ouchi actually gate gate throw Gabe's likes yeah so I was fighting that and actually turned turned turn my uh, turn my cap enough to, yeah. to get a micro fracture there um, <clears throat> from there they actually had a weird rule that I didn't enjoy where if you were in the gold medal match and you lost you then had to fight for silver against the bronze guy huh yeah oh, and I, I didn't really I didn't know that I didn't care for that yeah. and I was already injured uh, yeah. ended up losing that match and got bronze. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I had to go compete at 170. Yeah. Um, and that was that was fine. Um, couple couple of good guys there. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up getting bronze in that category as well. Um, so yeah, not 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 what I was wanting for, but not a bad result either. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> took me probably a few months to recover from the injury. Yeah. Um, so I ended up doing more groundwork then, which you know allowed me to work on my ground game because I couldn't really take the falls. Yeah. Um, with the impact, but. Uh, yeah, it was, okay. it was good. Okay, yeah. but it wasn't so. But the injury wasn't that significant enough that you that you didn't stop training. No, no, I had to do mostly ground stuff. It didn't require surgery anything like that. It's one of those where you just kind of got to give it time and let it heal on its own. And yeah. uh, but from there, I actually pretty much competed in uh, BJJ competitions only. Actually, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Was that, that just by choice or just by? Yeah, it was. It was just by choice. I didn't necessarily put a ton of thought into it. I started doing a lot more groundwork at that point and realized that I wanted to be a really good thrower doing groundwork okay. as opposed to a really good um, groundwork doing throwing, basically. So I wanted to, you know, <clears throat> move into BJJ and really try throw, pin, submit okay. um, and do, do that there as opposed to go to judo and try and create time on the ground. Because um, in judo, you know, at the end result, you need to compete in like USJ and they're just not going to give you the time on the ground. And so it really didn't allow me to work my skill set at all. Okay. Whereas BJJ, they can try and negate it by pulling guard. Yeah. But at least in the rule set, <clears throat> you know, the potential is allowed. It depends on the competitors, how they fight, how I fight. But like you have the potential mm-hmm. uh, to get stand up work in. Okay. Especially in nogi. These guys seem to pull guard a lot less in nogi. Yeah. I don't know if there's, you know, it's because there's more wrestling influence, things like that. But so I enjoy the nogi a lot for that aspect because they're going to you tend to get more time on the stand up. Um, I like the guys can't, um, you know, just grab a grip and lock you down. Um, <clears throat> for the stand up, allows me to move a lot more. Whereas. In BJJ and the gi, you see a lot of guys. They stiff arm you. They grab your. They grab your lapel and they sit their ass way back. Yeah. And it's really hard to throw from there. Of course, you can try and snap down, do different things, but it's not an ideal position, right? There's a reason why in judo they don't really let you do that. Yeah. It's hard. It's you know it's like you, you, can you can stall. You can stall. You can stall. And uh, okay. and then of course they can just you know sit down and pull a guard right from there. And so um, that was something that I had, had some trouble with. Um, 
so yes, I've been uh, liking the no gi, but I did I did both for quite a while. Um, at, at in gi at purple belt and in no gi at advanced no gi. Okay. And uh, yeah, won some matches, but didn't win any tournaments. Um, yeah, at, at you know proving ground revolution. Uh, G sub X Naga, you know stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so lo- yeah, lo- local, just a lot of local tournaments. A lot of local stuff. I think the only okay. time I ever traveled for that was to go to, to go down to San Francisco for the Metamorphs Challenger. Okay, back when back before that was that back before, back before that was the scam. Metamorphs, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Gracie Pyramid scam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if only they yeah. had put in their logo, so people yeah. would know, uh, right? Uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So went down there for that, uh, okay. which was a good time. I actually went down with Vincent. Okay. I uh, went down to San Francisco. Um, it was at the El Nino Train Center. Okay. Uh, Gilbert Melendez's place yeah, Gilbert down there. Melendez, yeah. 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 So they had that. So um, basically, what they did for the Challenger was it was four man brackets at a lot of different local areas. Mm-hmm. For us, the closest was San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And if you won your four man bracket, and they'd have multiple for each weight class actually, so there was a number of guys in your weight class you wouldn't necessarily compete against there, mm-hmm. but you'd have your four guys. And then if you won those out of those four, then you would go to LA. To, have uh, like kind of, like quali- to see who would win. Exactly. Kind of okay. Exactly. Uh, what weight class did you compete? Uh, 175. Oh, so it's like. So I was, I was progress- progress- progressively, progressively, progressively moving up. Progressively yeah. moving up. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the guys for our competition didn't show. Okay. So that'd be me and two other guys. Um, one guy was a, uh, a black belt <clears throat> out of Oregon. Oh, I went okay. to school down there, I believe, out of like Medford area, somewhere like that. Okay. Um, the other guy was a uh, brown belt, actually, Gilbert Melendez's cousin. Oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, home turf. pretty big guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he made one seventy, but uh, <coughs> he said he didn't cut weight for it. But I'm, yeah. I'm not so sure, you know. Uh, but yeah, big yeah. guy. Okay. Um, but it was a good experience, though. So the first match, um, first match in our category is me against the uh, black belt coach. Was, was this Nogi or was this Gi? This was Nogi. This was Nogi. Okay. Yeah. Um, at the time, I had not competed in Nogi a ton. Okay. I'd done a couple, but I hadn't done a yeah. lot. It's like what time frame is this? You're like two years. It's like, like two, two and, and a half, two and a half, two okay. and a half to three years in. Okay. Yeah, probably a little, a little over two and a half years of training. Uh, so went down there. Um, <clears throat> first match was me against the black belt, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and they were ten minute matches. Yeah. So it was ten minute matches, um, and basically, you had to win at least one match to win the tournament. I mean, if like if everybody all had draws, nobody moved on. Oh, so there was no okay. decision. So somebody has to get a win at some point, at some point. for anybody in your bracket to move on. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that made people a little more aggressive, right? So, yeah. uh, so me, so me and him, he and I uh, competed. Uh, we went the distance, went the ten minutes, ended up in a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, both had some good attempts. Um, I was, I definitely liked the leg locks. I was going for that because I felt like hopefully that's something he didn't do as much of, mm-hmm. but wasn't able to get anything going. So, um, yeah. So we <clears throat> rolled to a draw. Then he competed against the other guy, Gilbert Moses' cousin. So at this yeah. point. It's me and Gilbert Melendez's cousin are going to compete, and if one of us doesn't win, nobody moves on. Ah, so someone's got. So we got to go. Yeah, yeah, we got to go. Uh, yeah. So we ended up fighting on the feet for position for like six minutes. Okay. Um, and I shot for an Osoto, which is uh, where you're trying to sweep sweep one of the legs out, basically. And he and uh, he was able to counter it and take yeah. me down, and uh, ended up in bottom side. Hung out there for quite a while trying to get out. He's trying to work something. Couldn't really get much going. Um, and then with like 30 seconds left, uh, went to try and get out. He managed to get an arm bar and get the tap. So okay. he was able to, to get me there. Um, that was definitely where I learned about like messing with fingers because uh, when we first came out and locked out, um, he was trying to like break my fingers. Oh really? Right, right when we yeah. locked up, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. Which was which for as a rock climber was like, oh, this isn't this isn't bad. I'll do yeah. it back to you, and then and then he stopped. But there's yeah. definitely you know you pick up those little things in competition that you don't yeah. see and like, oh, no one talks about, so, but yeah, that, that are having impacts. Guys. Okay. Yeah. Oh, are, yeah. so are you still rock climbing at, at this time? No, no. I pretty much stopped when I started grappling. You know, it's just the time, the time thing. Yeah, the time. You, yeah, know? you can only dedicate. So you can only do so much. Yeah. On, on one thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah. and onto your so yeah, you're bumping up weight classes. It's bumping up like, weight classes. Yeah. Um, I think the heaviest I competed at was like yeah, like 180, 185. Okay, something like that. Um, yeah, no gi. Yeah, I think a revolution. And uh, yeah, and I think I competed um, up until about three years ago. It's kind of the end, and I just. I was just getting wore down, and so I just felt like I wasn't able to bring it, bring yeah. it well competitively, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and then haven't got back to it, but looking to get back to it sometime this year. So, yeah. yeah, so so still still training though. Still training, yeah, yeah. yeah I never stopped training. It was just, um, <clears throat> yeah, I just felt like I'd gotten basically working, training, going to school, yeah. wore my wore myself down, <laughs> yeah. and then like yeah. yeah, when you show up for competition, it's just not there. You don't have that switch, and so yes, yeah, so I just got out of it, and then um, yeah, but now looking to hopefully get back to it soon. Yeah, oh nice. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on the yeah, so going up like going up weight classes. Like, mm-hmm. how, how did you yeah. or like what what made you I guess like wanna wanna do that or like was yeah. that on, on purpose kind of thing or yeah get bigger die small get bigger, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that the yeah no I mean kind of kind of yeah so when I started training like probably like at least ten guys who were over two hundred pounds oh wow okay, um, one so guy who was like two sixty and okay. so like. A lot of heavy guys, you know, yeah. and so if your skill is halfway decent and you're small, you're still getting crushed. Yeah, because because they, they've been training a long time too. Yeah, and so I like, guess yeah, so a lot of us, like you know, lighter guys would just get crushed when we went with those guys. And so I always felt like that the most important thing for me was be like to be like as capable as I could be for life. And so I felt like there was an ideal weight for me. Okay, um, and that's why I've always been more interested, and I haven't, but I would like to if someone competed open weight. Okay. And because I feel like there's an ideal weight for everybody. So if you throw away the weight classes, what weight would you be best at? Because mm. a certain point where I'll be too heavy, I'll be too slow. Yeah. Um, I won't be able to have the stamina. But, yeah. but at the same time, if you're too small, you can't deal with the heavier guys. You don't have the strength. And so I feel like there's kind of like an ideal. And for me, I think that's probably somewhere between like 185 and 200 pounds, okay. depending on kind of where I'm at. And so that's kind of my my mindset. Um, at some point, I could see dropping down to make 175 again. But I think, um, but I think long term, yeah, I'm kind of interested in that <clears throat> in that open weight. And like, where can you be most efficient? Got most it. efficient. That's kind of yeah. that's definitely what interests me. But originally, it was just I just don't want to get crushed. You just every don't want to get crushed. Okay. Yeah. But, so yeah, because I remember you said like you started when you started grappling. You're <clears throat> like 148. 148. Right? Yeah, that's like my latest. Yeah. 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 So, so then, uh, yeah. what was um, like, I guess like so what was your, I guess so how how did you get started? I guess in like in bulking or I guess in getting yeah <clears throat> yeah so um. So when I had my brain injury, um, I gained a lot of weight because I wasn't really able to train as much, work out as much. And so when I basically was able to get uh, heal up from that mm-hmm. and uh, physically and mentally, um, I dropped a lot of weight, you know, because your hormones are off, you're stressed, you're not sleeping, all this stuff. And so yeah. so I just pretty easily dropped from like 185, like 185 to 145, just okay. like in like three months, just getting the fat off. <laughs> things are working better. And, you're able to yeah. work out and all these things. And yeah. so you're kind of able to get back to more of a natural weight. And so I dropped down and that was kind of where I was at in terms of like, you know, my muscle had my body and so um <clears throat> but yeah i always wanted to go up heavier like i just i like i like lifting weights mm-hmm. and so it's kind of the same thing where i felt like there's a point where you're where you're best at and, yeah. and weightlifting as well you know um, yeah. especially in, in powerlifting of course heavier tends to be better yeah at least for like for your max total weight um but yeah for other things body weight things there's that's the disadvantage and so i always felt like when you kind of take all those things into consideration like there's an ideal weight for me and i always kind of want to find that um it's probably a little bit heavier than I am now, honestly, I think. It could be a little bit heavier and still have good cardio. It doesn't seem to really affect me. Um, I always I always believe that <clears throat> as you go up in weight, mm-hmm. you need to increase your ability to intake and utilize oxygen. Okay. So, right, so like... <clears throat> so how, do you, how do you calculate that? 
Yeah, uh, not that scientifically. Could have, could have, didn't at the time. (laughs) Yeah, so it was just more of a mindset, right? Because people talk about, like, this guy carries around so much muscle, he's using more oxygen um, to be able to move that muscle, and he's going to fatigue, right? And I always felt like, that's true, right? But what if you're able to take in more oxygen? Mm. So, you know, for me, as I moved up in weight, I paid a lot more attention to my breath work, for example. Okay. You know, so, like, I was really breathing through my my chest originally. So, Mm -hmm. as you started to breathe more through your belly... Um, I'm now bringing in more air and bringing in more oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I have more muscle, but I have more oxygen too. And so I feel like there is a point where that switches, where you can no longer improve yeah. your, your ability to take in oxygen, utilize oxygen, <clears throat> all those things, VO2 max. And there's a point where that no longer holds up. But, um, but I don't think I'm there yet. Um, okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people could benefit by, yeah, just working on their breath work, their breath things, work, things like okay. that, for sure, yeah. for sure. And I think yeah. weightlifting can, can help teach you that, for sure, you know, because otherwise... If you're just holding your breath while you do a set, and that's your natural inclination, like <laughs> yeah. you're gonna guess, you're yeah, gonna guess. It's not yeah. gonna be good. It, it yeah. doesn't matter how, how big your lungs are. No, that yeah. If you're just holding your breath, it's not it's not sustainable. And um, yeah, just just the pressure increases too. You know, like, um, it can jack your blood pressure up. Um, yeah, you just it's that fatigue. It's just it's just not a smart way to train. You know, but you watch a lot of guys, and that is what they do. And you know that tells me they probably do that when they're training and competing. You know, in MMA or grappling as well. Yeah, because they're holding they, their they're breath. Just holding their breath. Holding their breath. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's like you know you want to make the other guy go hypoxic. Like don't make yourself go hypoxic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Why why do the other guys work for him? Yeah. But, exactly. So, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, so I guess in. So what was uh yeah so you start at like roughly like around one one forty five yeah guess. So what was the uh, yeah. what, what, so what was the I guess what was, what's the highest jump like in weight that that you made or like yeah like, so was it like a gradual kind of thing it's pretty gradual it's okay. pretty gradual yeah um I would say let's see so I was at one forty eight when I started um like a year and a half later I was at like one fifty seven okay um about a year and maybe like fifteen months after that. Um, I was at around, um, maybe a little, like 168, something like that. Okay. And then, um, maybe six months after that, you know, up in the, up in the mid 170s and then you just kind of, yeah, keep progressing from there. The heaviest I went was like 190. So the heaviest but, was about 190. But that was yeah. a little bit, a little bit more fat too when I cut down. I was cut down to like a lean 180. Um, yeah, now I'm about like 185. About, about 185 yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then, but you said that if you were, you know, compete again, you said you might want to be heavier? Or? <clears throat> yeah, you know, it depends, right? Because, like, okay. I'm kind of in between weight classes. Yeah. You know, like, if you look at, like, the bigger competitions, like ADCC, mm-hmm. I think it's, like, 170 and the jump is, like, to 190. Oh, okay. 195. So, oh, 195, so that, yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty bad. So it's, like, like a 25 pound jump, jump, right? So yeah. <clears throat> I either need to, like, cut, cut down and then cut water weight to make 170, mm-hmm. or I need to bulk up to be at 195. Um, and I'm a little undecided on that, honestly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't think my body holds up well to weight cuts in terms of water water cuts. In terms of water um, cuts. Yeah, it's just yeah. Hard, hard in the body, hard in the kidneys. Yeah. And so I'd like to avoid that. And so I think probably I'll be forced to go at 195 simply because I don't think I can get that lean, okay. that light. I think I'd lose a decent amount of muscle to get down to 170 okay. without cutting water weight. Um, so probably 195, um, <clears throat> which I, don't, I do not feel like overmatched in the strength. Um, side of things in that, in that weight class, but I do feel like it's less than an advantage. Whereas mm-hmm. at 170, you can simply just start to toss some people around a little bit more. Um, but, you know, see how it goes. Yeah. Okay, so, well, I guess in terms of strength, so how did you go about, I guess, building your strength for, like, for grappling purposes? Yeah. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> honestly, I've never done that much sports-specific training. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a time and a place for that. I think in many cases, it's kind of overused a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is, 
if you're let's say you do tailor your training to be very grappling specific meaning like and let's say this is to take it a step further say very judo specific okay right so in judo there's a lot of pulling mm-hmm. more than pushing there is pushing but there's more pulling yeah um that's a big movement right you're pulling you're opening them up you know it's a lot of back muscles involved um a lot of rhomboids uh, a lot of rear delts a lot of mid traps you're really pulling really that pulling motion mm-hmm. pulling toward your face um and so if you go train that at the gym you can then create imbalances in your body because mm-hmm. you're overworking the same muscles you're working at practice whereas in many cases you may do better off working the opposite muscles okay right because otherwise now your shoulders are you know a little jacked up yeah so you the know? muscles that you're not exactly <clears throat> using in the sport that you're yeah using. it's literally the exact opposite of what powerlifting powerlifters do where they have that front delt anterior delt extremely built up mm-hmm. and then their rear delt is weak because they're always internally rotated for a mm-hmm. bench press okay. and so like jake judo players are one of the few people i found that like are actually the opposite Okay. Where their rear delt is actually more built up because they're so pull heavy, ah, okay. um, and so actually my rear delt is like way stronger than my than my anterior delt even now. Just because of um, all the just because of yeah. all the pulling, and okay. so yeah. So I, for me, like I did it. I didn't compete in powerlifting. I did a lot of powerlifting exercises. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, did some bodybuilding things like that, um, and I always felt like there was a lot of benefit in both of those for, for grappling. For grappling, yeah, okay. and I think for me, like bodybuilding I think is one of the most actually things I found the most value in okay. for, for grappling and it's not so much being concerned about the size but being concerned with intentional muscle activation muscle right activation. <laughs> yeah because okay. if someone like yeah. let's say you're going to work out your back um, and you tell someone to flex their lats and they can't flex them like they're not going to use them when they start doing pull ups because they don't know lats. how to activate it exactly they don't know how to activate it you yeah. know <clears throat> and if you don't know how to activate it like with no load you know, just sitting there trying to flex it. There's no way you're doing it when you're training, right? I mean, you're, you're grappling. You're thinking about a million other things. Yeah. If that's not how are you second nature, consciously going to do it? Yeah, yeah. it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. You're using something else. Yeah. You know, and then that, you know that's how you build up the long-term injuries. Oh. And you're also just going to be weaker at the time too. Um, and one of the things I like a lot about <clears throat> time under tension, you know, is especially with grappling, like it's a lot of time under tension. Like yeah. you know, if you're holding on to someone, you say you have back control, yeah. you're spending a long time in that position, mm-hmm. and if your legs start fatiguing. From that, from that hold, if you know your upper body starts fatiguing, um, that's an issue, right? And so I really like that time under tension to then apply to that. Yeah. Um, and that's been really key for me. I feel like, um, yeah, I do not build up <clears throat> a lot of muscle fatigue very quickly. Um, I can hold a lot of positions for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know that's, that can be really important. Of course, um, of course, you also need to be dynamic as well. And I'm a little bit less less on that side. I mean, I certainly certainly am, but I'm a little bit more in the uh, you know long term static strength side of things um gabe's obviously more dynamic yeah um and they both have you need some of both yes um but yeah so i feel like that time and attention is, is really key that muscle awareness that body awareness is really important um and so yeah i like i like the bodybuilding mindset of things where <clears throat> you know you don't overlook weaknesses right and of course they're concerned about the aesthetic of it right yeah you know they don't want to see it weak small hamstrings because that's yeah. not going to work on stage mm-hmm. but if you have small hamstrings in your training for lifting, if you're training for grappling for MMA, you know, that's a problem, right? You know, you have a weakness in your posterior chain, um, hamstring, you know, performs a lot of functions, right? Yes. Um, kind of important. Kind of, yeah. kind of important, you know? Might be. Yeah. Leg, leg biceps. In, in, yeah. In this athletic yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a, you know, issue with your glutes and you're yeah. not using them, you know? So, um, so I think, you know, a good way to know where your weaknesses are can be just looking in the mirror. And a lot of times, you know, the visual tells, it tells a big story yeah. for sure, you know, to where people have imbalances. Um, you know, like, I think Gabe told the story about like the guy he competed against in the <laughs> yeah. first fight. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually yeah. I remember that because I was because yeah. uh, I, I was there in the 
was in yeah in the warm up area. Yeah. yeah, and, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. You, you you can say that was one of the first things. Yeah. I, I, wonder, like, I wonder who this guy is. Like, is this yeah. the guy that yeah. Kay's been lifting with? Could be. And then, Could and, be, and, yeah. and then when you said like, yeah, it's definitely the guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I ran to. Um, the guy gave us a pit against the bathroom. He was like, yeah. like washing his hands, you know. Yeah. And I looked at him, and his toes were like way pointed out, right? Okay. Extremely external, externally rotated. Externally rotated. Yeah, <clears throat> and like duck feet, as they call it. Yeah. Um, and typically, what happens when is that is that your TFL, your hip flexor, is really tight, and so it's trying to relax. Huh. And to relax, it needs to turn your feet out. It's uh-huh. trying to lengthen the muscle, trying to relax it. But in that position, your glutes, especially your glute med, really aren't able to activate. Uh, and so basically that means you're going to walk around with tight hips and weak glutes and he's trying to compensate out of that out of that behavior to be able to walk around and stand up yeah and not be like heavy his hip causing extreme pain yeah. and uh and that's how he's like standing around that's just how he's standing yeah. so there's no way it's changes <laughs> yeah. when he starts fighting right yeah 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 it's like also oh i'm gonna activate it yeah and it's like now you're gonna activate it under yeah. under stress under, yeah under, under stress load. when someone else is trying to exactly you, so yeah. now you're gonna change things it's like yeah. no your cns just does that it's gonna keep doing that okay and uh and when you have that weakness like i know He's a pretty, he's a pretty big, good sized guy, you know, look fairly strong, and so I know he's going to be able to fight Gabe in one direction, mm. probably especially back. Yeah. Um. So he has his legs staggered, but basically with those with that weakness in his glutes, he's not going to be able to fight multi directional attacks. Mm. So as long as Gabe chains his takedowns, it's going to be a bad day for that guy. Mm. Um, and that's you know kind of how it worked out. He just really, you know, when Gabe when Gabe comes in, then he turns to the side. There's nothing there. There's nothing there to stop that stop that movement from Gabe, and so it's just. Not much you can do, you know. He, you can train the technique all day long, yeah. but you will not be able to do it under load with a with a you know opponent who's trying to do it to you. So huh. interesting. Yeah. So I guess so. Other than uh, other than like a mirror, like what are other ways that you you can find or that people can find like imbalances? Yeah. Um, so you know, certainly lifting is a good way to do it, right? You know, <clears throat> if you're if you uh, if you're doing if you can bicep curl double the weight you can do a tricep push down that might be a problem for you right <laughs> maybe something's happening maybe something's happening there right yeah. you know and uh, that can lead to a lot of elbow instability right and yeah. so it's not just it's not just the aesthetics right and it's yeah. not even just the strength of being able to push you know you can really just weaken your body in terms of that long longevity um <clears throat> so i think you know when you look at um okay i think the big the big the big ones you would hit you know are definitely like shoulders and hips you know you're really what you pay attention to you know yeah um <clears throat> everything else kind of comes off of that right like if you have elbow problems they may fix themselves when you fix your shoulders you know knee problems may fix so they fix their hip could be could be independent of it but usually yeah. it's not usually, usually it's, it's not stemming yeah. from, from yeah okay. exactly exactly okay yeah. so what about uh, i guess so what are some uh <clears throat> What are some like common or some common things like especially like, particularly for grapplers? Like, yeah. You mentioned like <clears throat> yeah. the, like the the delts, but like mm-hmm. what are some other like common problem points that some grapplers have? Or, like, yeah, that, yeah. That you've noticed. Yeah, one thing I've really noticed uh, that Gabe and I have actually just been working on lately is weak adductors. Weak adductors. Weak adductors. Okay. Right. You know, <clears throat> and so especially in back control, that's really key, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, you can use other muscles, you can compensate and use other muscles, and people certainly can still maintain back control, but. It's going to be harder, and you're going to fatigue more. Mm-hmm. And then you're using up those muscles that should be, should be safe for something else in terms of their fatigue level. Um, so adductors is definitely a big one. Basically, if you're not living in, in your hip, if you're not living in your glute, I should say, um, and you're really in your hip flexor, you're going to have your adductors really really just deactivated. Huh. Okay. Um, and it's going to be hard for, you to, hard for you to turn them on, and they're going to be really weak. Um, hamstrings also tend to be pretty weak compared to the quads. People tend to be more quad dominant. Really, people tend to be more anterior chain dominant the front of your body so like for the more front yeah strong you can see it it's yeah. easier right yeah yeah it's, you can see it's, it it's like on display yeah, yeah you can flex it you can yeah. see it in the mirror it's way easier right yeah. so 
Uh, I think that's one of the big things that really plays a role in like that that muscle awareness, muscle activation, is really just being able to see it. You know, if you have some good mirrors and you can see your back, it's a little bit easier to, to activate it. Yeah. Um, of course, also the way we set, you know, things like that. You know, uh, you're putting um, certain strains on your body. You're uh, creating certain patterns. You know, people are over a keyboard, their shoulders slunge, you know, um, hunched over. Okay. You know, neck, head, neck tilted forward. You know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out they're going to have some issues with that. Yeah, some, you know, yeah. over 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 a long period of time. Going to cause some problems. Yeah. 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 So I think a lot of ne- a lot of neck issues. See a lot of neck issues. Mm. You know, and whether that's from their job that they're doing or whether it's from grappling specifically. A lot of neck. A lot of neck problems. That seems to be a really big one. Um, that's also kind of a weakness for people. People seem to have a lot of, uh, a lot of neck injuries in general. Um, <clears throat> I don't think this necessarily has to be so, but I think it definitely the sport lends itself to that quite a bit. Got it. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, so I guess, um, how about like for you and your own training? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. you had a, like a tibia injury, but mm-hmm. have you had any other injuries that you then had to work through? Yeah, nothing like super serious. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that you know you have to train around. Not very little has kept me off the mats permanently. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the tibia injury um, had like a microfracture in my foot as well. Um, you know, broken some fingers. Broken was that on some the same toes. foot? Or was like a different injury? Uh, different injury. Okay. I believe it was on the same leg, but different injury. Okay. Uh, you know, popped my AC joint out a bit. You know, the shoulder. Um, what else? Uh, partially dislocated my jaw. Um, had some eye issues. Being poked in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. <clears throat> broken nose. Um, yeah, nothing extremely serious. Okay. But a lot of things where, like, you might take a week off, two weeks off. You might uh, have to train around it. Got it. So, like, yeah. so nagging injuries, but nothing really, like, serious. Nothing you really take, serious. Like, nothing off. nothing required surgery or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay, so nothing that. Yeah. And, yeah, so would you say that, I guess, like, your, <clears throat> like, your lifting or your other exercises, like, help you in that, in yeah. that, in that case? <clears throat> yeah, okay. absolutely. You know, it's a lot of that, a lot of that stability, really. Oh, stability. You know? okay. Yeah, being able to be... Um, especially in grappling in MMA, you know, yeah. we'll be strong in weird positions that you wouldn't normally be in. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, um, especially, especially on bottom, if you're going to, if you end up, if you, end up, if you, if you find <laughs> yeah. yourself there, yeah. you're going to end up in some weird positions and be able to be strong in those positions can be really important and avoid a lot of injuries. And, um, yeah. And you know, like in judo too, like you take some hard throws, you know, being able to tuck your chin, yeah. you know, to avoid the, um, you know, a lot of that repercussive force when you hit the ground, um, and avoid a lot of head injuries potentially can be really important. So I think being able to you know have a tight neck, tuck your chin when you're taking the fall, and be able to withstand a hard throw without without any you know rebound in your head, um, you know really really lends itself well. Especially yeah. in striking too, same thing, right? Someone snaps your neck back when you get hit. Yeah, that's not good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, that's just all like trauma going on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So that, that that's definitely a big one. Um, yeah, like so for me, like I think you know. Right now, what I've really been working on is a lot, a lot, of, a lot of shoulders and hips. Shoulders and uh, hips. You know, adductors um, are a big one for me as well. Okay. You know, definitely some weakness in there. Um, I have more trouble getting to my left glute than my right glute, so I'm trying to... I do a lot of um, single leg exercises, okay. right? Because, like, two legs, you can kind of compensate. Yeah. You know, we are doing a squat. But if you're doing, like, a pistol squat, if you're doing, like, a Bulgarian split squat, if you're doing a lot of one-legged exercises, lunges, things like that, um, it's hard to compensate around that, right? Because yeah. if that leg is weak... The other leg cannot pick up the slack. Yeah, so you're, like, you're isolating it. Exactly, okay. exactly, and that can be a good way to really get into your glute, get into your glute med more than in a two-legged exercise. And so, um, I like 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 all the single leg exercises. Similar similar to the upper body, like a lot of single arm pressing, okay. single arm pulling. You know, don't yeah. let yourself have imbalances. Yeah. So when you, I guess when you when you're uh, trying to activate or when you're trying to like build strength in your adductors, like mm-hmm. how do you go? Like what exercises or how do you go about doing that? Yeah, it's going to be pretty PT focused in the beginning. PT focused. You know, okay. <clears throat> and I think. Um, you know, with Gabe and me, like Gabe and I, there's a lot of training we do where 
where do you draw the line between like weightlifting and PT is really hard. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, don't, I don't think you necessarily tried to, but I think, you know, I always think about, um, there's a quote by a guy named, guy named uh, Charlie Weingroff, who's a, a pretty big guy in the strength and conditioning world, a lot of rehab, prehab, prehab, things like that. Yeah. Um, and one of the things he says is like, training is rehab, rehab is training. Uh, right? Like if you're doing rehab correctly, it's training. Like yeah. it should be hard work. And if you're training correctly, you should be doing rehab, prehab. It should be helping you prevent injury, not causing injury. Got it. So um, it should work hand in hand. At least in the in weightlifting that, room. In, you know, in like, that case. Yeah, yeah. especially when you're know, working with high-level athletes. Like we're with someone who's a, who's a fighter or a grappler at a high level, and they're getting injured doing weightlifting training. Yeah. That's a big problem, yeah. right? Like, that's, you know, freak accidents happen. But if that's a pattern, that's an issue, right? That's like taking away from their other training. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. They should be avoiding injuries there, not, yeah. not creating them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's definitely a big one. Um, yeah, so for me, I'm just trying to really trying to work on my weaknesses you know yeah. so it's not about smashing heavy weights it's about laying a foundation to be able to do it later mm-hmm. you know um so yeah really really going after those weaknesses um things that are very specific you know like i had some weakness in my long head of my tricep you know eventually at a certain a certain weight if i'm doing a heavy pressing that'll kind of allow a little bit of click in the elbow joint yeah so, so it's like, that instability yeah, so what, what exactly causes that like yeah it's just instability it's right stability. you got a lot of strong muscles here you got a lot of weak muscles here mm-hmm. you're just kind of pulling things pulling things sideways a little bit and <laughs> you don't have the you don't have the stability so yeah. um so that's definitely a big one and of course you can then change your form to try and get around it but now you're in a form that's one weaker to start trying to hit max weight mm-hmm. but two you can then be asking muscles to compensate that aren't designed to do that movement and so you can really create long-term problems by, by relying on that. Yeah. And at the very least, you're weaker and you're going to fatigue earlier. So, you know, it's like if you, if you bring, if you show up at competition, you're only using like three quarters of your muscles. Like it's not going to be good. You're going to be weaker. And at the very least, you're going to gas, gas sooner, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my numbers back in the day were much more impressive in terms of like raw numbers, deadlift, and overhead press. But, mm-hmm. but despite them being higher, I was weaker, right? Uh, and so the numbers, the numbers can lie, yeah, right? Yeah. Numbers can lie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can put up some heavy numbers, but um, but, but that may not translate. Yeah, it was, yeah it was weaker. Yeah. It was weaker, yeah. right? So the numbers looked better, but then you go to grappling, and even though I was strong, I was weaker than I am now, mm. right? So even though yeah. the numbers were worse, it doesn't really tell the whole story. Got it. So if you yeah. you can you can actually lose strength by focusing on numbers like such. I thing. think so. Yeah. yeah, at the very least, create issues down yeah. the road, which is then which is then going to cause a loss in strength. Yeah. Now you're injured and you can't train. <laughs> Yeah. And so you're gonna you're gonna end up there one way or the other, you know. Especially when we start smashing a lot of the really heavy weights, and um, there's a time and a place for that. But I think with you know with my training with Gabe, we do it pretty selectively. Yeah. You know, we're making sure things are uh, we're activating the right muscles beforehand, and we're staying within a pretty strict range of motion. Okay. Um, and if things get sloppy, then you stop and you drop the weight down. So you can hit the same level of intensity, but you're doing it more intentionally. Got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So where, yeah, where where the technique or how the form is mm-hmm. is, is important. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when Gabe was mentioned, or like in the la- last week, he said that you guys did like a lot of PT when mm-hmm. he was starting. Yeah, like from there, and that was essentially to find like any imbalances that that he had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he had some. He obviously, dislocated his hip. He dislocated his hip. So that's a, a big one. Pretty big. Yeah. Pretty big one. <laughs> yeah. Pretty big one. Yeah. Um, you know, his shoulders have some issues. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got some issues in his wrists. Um, issues in his ankles. You know. Really, most of the major just, joints. Just, just a piece of shit game. No, I'm just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, he's trashed. He's yeah. trashed. No, um, yeah. no, but you know, I think Gabe before was very dynamic, very yes. explosive, yeah, and very flexible. Especially before this hip injury. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think he was just kind of built that way, but it's also to compensate, right? Yeah. So if he doesn't have the strength to move slowly through a movement, you know, you do it explosively, so yeah. speed speed picks up the deficiency. Got it. So it's yeah. almost like. 
he is he is that way because of some other some yeah other yeah he, like I've he noticed is that way despite of that yeah, yeah I've noticed like before you know he would throw himself around a lot and, and risk getting caught in certain in certain submissions mm-hmm. simply because of how he was moving mm-hmm. um, and he would usually get away with it because he was doing it quickly yeah but now I notice he's doing that a lot less mm-hmm. you know he's putting himself in safer positions he's not maybe overextending his arms overextending his legs yeah and I think that's just just a change you know yeah. in that in that stability in that structure yeah because he's building yeah like, yeah you can you can yeah. you can start to create a frame you know to, to say escape as opposed to just having to do it dynamically like I'll just do real fat okay yeah so yeah, yeah. so I guess so how did um how did gay like the start uh, or did, 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 did he seek you out or like from, I mean because I know you guys have been training yeah yeah so we've been training together for like, like seven years yeah. you know Gabe was there yeah. and then he was out for a bit hip dislocation stuff like yeah. that and then he was back in so we've been training together for a long time um, but yeah he was coming to the farm a lot in the Connor uh, where I live part time and uh, doing a lot of work, helping out, helping me out doing some work just on the farm itself. Like, okay. um, like uh, I was working on the garage stuff like that. So you just give me a hand so on like some of the like weekends. Projects. Some small little projects just on the house itself, you know. Okay. And so we started doing that, and then um, <clears throat> and part of it was I was setting up a weight room too. Oh, you're, and in, so in, in your yeah, your like yeah. In, in the in attached garage, and okay. so we were setting that up, and then so then it's like oh well, now we built it now let's work out. So <laughs> I mean yeah. might as well you yeah it. yeah exactly so. Um, yes, yeah, so we started doing that, and then uh, especially since he was getting ready to, you know, start fighting again. Start fighting so, again, yeah. Um, and I knew he had some. I knew he had some issues just from training with him. Like yeah. some things are pretty obvious. So, um, yes, yeah, so we put the time in, and I think yeah, got a good got a good result. Um, yeah, first first camp. Um, first camp, we trained a lot more. So like through September through December, um, really put in the work. Um, the last for the last fight. Uh, <clears throat> he was up a lot less. He was working a lot more, busy, yeah. things like that. And yeah. so he really didn't make it in that much. Yeah. Um, so that last week was probably like the most I saw him, like just, <laughs> no, <laughs> just getting, things, getting yeah. things ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he was definitely, I would say, like a down-regulated version of, of himself from yeah. before. Um, obviously, his technique was hopefully better. Um, but I think his strength and conditioning was a little bit worse than before. Mm-hmm. And But, of course, he still had the good foundation. And so... Um, I expect for the next for his next fight we'll be able to really get the best get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, put the time in, get put the work in. Get that balance. Yeah, he's got a foundation. Yeah. We'll be able to yeah. really really jack the weight up a little bit more. Yeah. Got it. So I guess yeah. like looking like forward, like what like what things do you see like Gabe having having to work on? Like, yeah. Like, like strength. Right? Yeah. So I think we're still in the time where he really is fixing imbalances. Mm. You know, like <clears throat> we're gonna do some deadlifts, we'll do some squats, but we really can't smash the heavy weights yet. Um, so we'll actually put probably more intensity on a lot of things like single leg exercises, you know, so it may not be the weight, but it will be the intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing a lot of some adductor work. And so what we'll do is we'll wake up the adductors, we'll do some exercises um, <clears throat> to really warm those up, warm up the glute med, warm up where you're weak, and then we'll go do some bigger exercises like lunges, things like that. And so at that point, those muscles are already woken up. Yeah. You already got some blood in them. You already kind of got a mental connection with them. And then you go to those exercises and it's much easier to work to work them. Got it, because they're yeah. already, like you said, because they've been activated already. Exactly, the exactly. They're woken up, yeah. you're aware, and then you yeah. go do it. <clears throat> um, and then you don't go beyond a weight at which you can use the muscles correctly, right? So if you start going to a weight where now you're compensating and you're really, say, just living too much in your quads, you know, other muscles, things like that, you know, at that point, it's time to drop the weights down and really keep the high intensity, but keep it at a weight at which you can manage correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, you know, when I talk, we talk about like going to failure too. We're going to failure to where form breaks down. Or form breaks yeah, down. Okay. Yes. And then, and then you can go further. You can do a drop set. You can drop the weight down and then continue to go to hit the next level of failure. But we're not just going to go in there and hit like a bunch of crappy reps at the end. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, you're really just, 
encouraging problems, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll avoid that. In training like that, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot. Of, that's a lot of ego lifting, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's not it's not good. Like especially especially if your career isn't weightlifting. Yeah, like, it's supposed to help you, right? Not make you worse, you know. Exactly. So back, uh, back to that, like training is rehab and rehab is training. Yeah, like exactly. That. Okay. Exactly. So I guess like yeah. uh, what um so what resources like have you used in terms of like I guess getting getting this knowledge on yeah like, <clears throat> on human mechanics and stuff. Sure. So when I started lifting, I was lifting at, uh, I guess I had lifted before them. I started lifting really seriously. I was lifting at Gold's Gym in Okay. It's actually a really good spot. A lot of national level powerlifters lifted there. Um, <clears throat> a lot of former national, there's a former national champion bodybuilder. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and just a lot of people, um, guys who are trying to go to, one guy who's trying to go to the NFL Combine. So there's a lot of guys who are really serious about lifting where this one kind of just random <laughs> local gym. Uh, they just happen to stumble upon. Yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, people are there, more people come there, more people come there. And so unfortunately it closed down a few years ago, but really people were just there to hit heavy weights. And so, um, so I was there putting in the work and so it's a good environment to learn to learn from and uh, learn, learn a lot of knowledge but also learn intensity and things like that and so uh, I was really in there putting in work <clears throat> um, I'd done obviously the rock climbing so I'd trained with a lot of guys through doing a lot of body weight specific stuff before that so, you know doing stuff like you know front levers back levers human flag doing stuff like that you know a lot of body weight specific training yeah. with the rock climbing um, trained with some power lifters you know did some seminars stuff like that I trained with uh, Chris Duffin in Oregon uh, World champion powerlifter um, held some records at 220 for a squat, deadlifted over a thousand pounds in the gym, things like that. So did some training with him. Uh, trained with a guy named Nick Horton uh, for Olympic lifting as well. That's not really my thing, just based on lack of stability in the joints. That dynamic movement doesn't seem to do well for me. But um, but trained with him for a while. Um, this was went around trained with a number of different people. Um, you know who had a lot of knowledge in different sports in, in strength and conditioning, and uh, and then just you know you just kind of keep building on that knowledge, picking up as you go. So yeah. Okay, so I guess looking at, I mean, looking ahead to like to your to your own <clears> training, you <throat> said you've been, you were trying to build up some some strength mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. But um, so what's I guess is like if you were like let's say to com- compete again, like what are you uh, what are some like benchmarks or things that you're looking to to do? Like okay, I've done this, mm-hmm. and now I feel like I'm ready to compete again. Like, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I think it's just kind of that. You know, knowing your body, knowing that feeling, right? And I shall say, I do a lot of work with, um, and go into, and go into, and they have me do a lot of work at a Tangelo, uh, so what is it, manual release and movement therapy? I don't know, basically PT. And so I go okay. in there, yeah. So we do a lot of sports specific stuff. So I go in there and we do a lot of work, and so that's where I learned a lot about, um, yeah, correcting a lot of issues correct, that I had because I went in, there, I went in there because I knew yeah. I had issues, and so we were, we were working <laughs> a lot on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think for me, and you know, I have certain goals in the strength world that are separate from my grappling goals for sure. Um, I'm not. I can see myself competing in powerlifting, but it's not like a main focus for me. Um, I really like overhead pressing, so okay. I like to get back to really heavy overhead press, mm-hmm. um, really build that up. I was pressing a lot of weight for someone who had pretty jacked up shoulders, so I'd like to continue to build on that. Um, like to get back to where I was, which is pressing like 225, 250 overhead, um, and then continue to build on that from from here at a, at a heavier body weight. Um, <clears throat> I can see myself doing some grip competitions as well. Grip, grip competitions? Grip, like, grip's good fun. <laughs> grip's good fun. So, Like tearing cards and other stuff like that? Uh, that's kind of, like the, some, of yeah. some of the stuff, but uh, it's probably like kind of more like the feats of grip strength. It's not yeah. so much the competition itself, but okay. there's a lot of different grip training apparatuses, so they'll have like um, basically like large <laughs> diameter pipes, some huh. of which actually roll on you, so you really can't lock your wrist in a strong position because it just rolls back. Um, things where you might pinch something smaller, similar to rock climbing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> large blocks you might grab with weights attached, and so uh, grippers you might you know have to yeah. squeeze. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different different types of grip strength, different things like that. And so there's a lot of 
fun competitions in grip. So that uh, that's kind of like I, I enjoy grip training. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a thing for me. So it definitely helps in grappling for yeah. sure. Um, so I, I enjoy doing that. And uh, because I've been able to keep working the grip hard, even though I've been doing a little bit more of a PT focused lifting, mm-hmm. you know, that I've, been, I've had a longer time to build that strength up with, you know, unbroken. So, um, yeah, so that could be something I get into sooner than some of the other lifting competitions I could do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess, I guess, like, so on, on like, grip training, grip exercises, I yeah. guess, like, what uh, what particular grip do you feel, I mean, I know you've done, like, several, mm-hmm. what, what do you think is, like, most, uh, like, most, had most carryover for, like, for <clears throat> purposes? Yeah, you know, for, like, for in the gi, a lot of that pin strength is really important, pin right? <clears throat> yeah, because, like, like yeah, because what you're holding is the gi, so it's, it's, it's pretty small. You yeah. know, it's not like you're having to wrap your hand around yeah. somebody's leg, it's, it's a small piece of cloth, and so a lot of that pin strength is really important, and so I was already pretty good at that from rock climbing, and so... Uh, pin strength is where I have a lot of quite a bit of strength in, um, but I think for grappling for nogi grappling, like a lot of a little bit bigger strength. I don't think the crushing strength is as important for grappling. Honestly, it's yeah. obviously important, but usually when you say you grab someone's wrist, you're not trying to then crush their bones. Yeah. you're trying to maintain a hold, mm. and so it might be a little bit more of a, like some grabbing some of the larger diameter pipe where you're lifting basically a pipe. Really, is what it is, um, or like a large block. Like imagine like picking up a phone book that's really heavy, things okay. like that. You know. Um, I think that is a little bit more carryover, and so I definitely enjoy doing a lot of those. And um, Iron Mind's a big company; they have a lot of grip training devices. So I use a lot of their stuff, and um, yeah, so that's kind of a fun way to, uh, to add on add on to your training. Um, it's not overly fatiguing, I would say. It, it can be fatiguing on your CNS because you can be hitting a lot of maxes in grip, and that can actually fatigue your CNS quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Or if you've done a heavy, say, deadlift day the day before, your grip strength will be significantly down um, huh. simply from that fatigue. Um, okay. Yeah, but. But yeah, there's a lot of good care over there, um, and so I definitely, definitely like playing around with that quite a bit. So Gabe and I've done some of that, some of that too. He actually got pretty strong in the grip, surprisingly, over the course of like six months. So um, we don't train it that often; it's not like a main part of what we do, but it's just kind of a fun thing you can do yeah, at the kinda, end. Yeah, just kind of playing around with it. Yeah, they call it, they call it grip the golf of strength sports. So. The golf of strength yeah. sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you can just yeah, yeah, do that. So I guess uh, I guess in this gym that you that you build essentially like in your like, what you say like your detached it's, it's garage. like attached attached to car garage yeah, yeah. okay yeah so uh, what 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 kind of equipment do you have there yeah um, a lot a lot a so lot like, how big an area are we talking about it's like four hundred square feet oh wow okay yeah four, two car garage four hundred square feet like twenty by twenty basically yeah maybe slightly larger than that um, <clears throat> yeah I got a lot of stuff in there <laughs> um, obviously got the basics squat rack um, pretty pretty beefy squat rack. Um, a re- reverse hyper, um, a hammer strength leg extension machine, mm-hmm. which is actually a great way to do rows and uh, shrugs as well. Um, you can kind of grab the handles and utilize it differently. Um, glute ham developer, we work a lot of the glutes and hamstrings. Reverse hyper is really trained the lower back. Um, <clears throat> free motion cable machine, you know, the ones you see where you kind of move the arms around. Okay. Uh, a lat pull down machine, I have a assault bike, uh, ski erg. Like similar concept. What's, what's a ski erg? Uh, so it's made by a company called Concept Two, who's popular for their rower. Okay. But the ski erg is basically actually simulating cross country skiing. Huh. And you're basically grabbing handles and you're pulling them down, and uh, that's really the motion. But of course, it's more complicated than that. But it's basically similar, like if you're pulling when you're skiing, you're, you're pulling okay, away, you're pulling, pulling away, okay. you're trying to really sprint. Um, that's what it is, and I like that because I used to compete in the biathlon for a little bit where you ski and shoot. Oh, for okay. Um, <clears throat> so I enjoy the enjoy that because of the carryover there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Got uh, got a lot of plates, a lot of dumbbells. Dumbbells are like 150 pounds, and uh, kettlebells, things like that. So yeah, it's pretty 
pretty pretty well set up. We got there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically everything you need to uh, to train. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that that's quite a bit of gear. So how uh, like I guess, I guess how long has it taken for you to accumulate <clears throat> that? Like, yeah, like five years. Five years. Yeah, yeah. I've bought a lot lately in the past year because I moved moved my gym to a newer space. A larger space. A larger space. Uh, <clears throat> whereas before I was more more limited, more yeah. limited, you know. So I, before I had like a squat rack, uh, the cable machine, some dumbbells, some weights, pull up bar, things like that. But in the larger space, I've really been able to add a lot, a lot of pieces. And so you know, I spent like a year like looking on Craigslist, find the right deal, find the right piece, good price, then go pick it up. Um, yeah, so just that was you know a number of Saturdays where you're gonna go, <laughs> you're gonna go drive and pick something up and. Uh, yeah, we always joke like you got to work out to move the weights because like slotting stuff is like so heavy. That, like if you don't work out, you can't move it. So it's like so if you're gonna start a garage gym, I recommend you go to the normal gym, work out, work get strong out. enough to move the to move the, the, to move the equipment, the, and then you can do it. Yeah, garage gym. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gave us helped me set that up. Um, did some work on the garage, like uh, kind of tore down the studs, actually rebuilt the building, and uh, yeah, and then put it <clears throat> put everything inside. So it's it's a pretty nice setup. Um, Pretty much is everything I, I need for my training. Um, you know, so I got a lot of grip specific stuff as well, which is kind of fun to do. Um, but yeah, I got basically in the course of the farms, you got the space outside, got heavy tires, things like that. And so you have the outside space if you want to do other things, make swings, you know, lunges, run some laps, things like that. So it's a pretty ideal setup for training. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we'll, Gabe will come up um, <clears throat> once or twice a week usually, and we'll, we'll, we'll hit it pretty hard. Um, yeah. Okay. And then. Uh so yeah, do you train like I guess you train yourself and you train mm-hmm. Gabe, but any anyone else that that you help out or not really? Know? I mean, there's people I'll work out with, and then we'll you know I'll give them some knowledge or we'll share knowledge, uh, but not on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, like <clears throat> I worked out with Andrew before. Yeah. You know, who you know. <laughs> well, so, I mean, he's so strong already, so he doesn't. Need he doesn't need it. <laughs> he doesn't need it. He does his three minutes a day. Yeah, he's uh, three minutes a day. I actually, he's up to the five now. Up to so. five, damn. Man. Yeah, at this rate, he'll be. He might just, be at seven. Yeah, just so. that dark place. That dark place in his head. That's what he utilizes. Yeah, yeah. Just go, yeah. just go smash it. You know. <laughs> um, I've worked out with Vincent before. Okay. Uh, we used to work out at a gym down in Seattle okay. for a while. Um, I think that was definitely Vincent's Vincent's strongest. Yeah. Um, strongest point. That was like maybe like four years ago, but that was definitely when he was in his prime, prime, <laughs> prime, 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 prime squatting and yeah. deadlifting. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely smashing, smashing the heaviest weights. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was always good. Um, but yeah, but re- regularly, yeah, just just me and Gabe. Um, I'm definitely not not a full time strength and conditioning coach. Um, definitely not looking to really do that full time. Like, I'm, you know, we'll see where it goes. But I think um, you know, it takes a lot of time to really train people. Yeah, it um, does. really put yeah. The, really put the time in and really, especially when you're focusing on them as an individual. You know, if you're just creating a program and you're shipping it out and everybody's the same, or you're running a class and you got yeah. 20 people in there and they're all doing the same yeah, stuff. But if you're doing hyper specialized and you're having to be aware of where that person's at you know in terms of their strength and every muscle in their body and their conditioning and things like that and whether keep in mind, keep in mind their weight um you know if they're having to you know fight and cut weight and things like that yeah. and, you know obviously for Gabe's last fight we try to stay lighter yeah could be 150 so there's a lot of factors that go into it and um and of course Gabe and I we also do a lot of uh talk a lot about like diet nutrition oh, yeah. and supplementation as well so that's a big part of like things that kind of help them out with as well um, oh, okay. So that takes a lot of time too. So I guess, um, so oh, how? So what? In terms of yeah, since you've done you know a lot of <clears throat> like weight weight manipulation, like from that, mm-hmm. like what are so what are some things that you've done? I guess to uh, to cut weight, but not like but yeah. not doing 
try to do it as healthy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so before we say this, I'll just say I'm not a medical doctor. Yeah. Not medical advice. <laughs> no one takes. Yeah. Educational, <laughs> yeah. informational purpose only. Consult yeah. your physician before you make any changes to your, yeah. you know, diet, lifestyle, <laughs> supplementation routine. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Myself, the total pancreas philosopher, not responsible for things you do. Yeah. Um, if you hurt yourself, it's your own problem. <laughs> it's your own, it's your own problem. You know, uh, do your own research. But that being said, so for me, um, I don't know a lot about weight cutting specifically. I haven't put a lot of work into it. It seems like for me, that's fairly well figured out. Yeah. Um, there's probably little things that could be improved on in, inside that. I would assume. But yeah. people people got it down. People are making weight. So um, you know, in terms of me helping Gabe with that side of things, it's really just about making sure he's not getting too heavy. You know, yeah. just being aware of, like, what are you putting in your body? And just really paying attention to your nutrition. Um, <clears throat> so, of course, the first time he was bulking more, eating a lot more calories. Second time, you know, staying a bit leaner, eating less. So that, that's, that's fairly simple. I think where it comes into be more complicated is in terms of what are you putting in your body um, in terms of diet and also specific supplementation, which is probably more my interest. I think diet, <clears throat> you can go really specific with diet as well. But I think... You know, overall, if you're eating a pretty good diet, that's when I start to look to su- look at supplementation. Meaning, like, yeah. you know, if you're not eating a lot of crap, you know, you're getting some good protein, carbs, fats, unless you're following a specific diet like a ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. You know, overall, if you're eating, you know, good healthy foods, you're getting your fruits and vegetables, and of course, that, there will be very variation in that. But um, for the most part, I wouldn't. I'm not qualified to make changes to people's you yeah, know, you're not a dietitian. <laughs> routine from that. Yeah, yeah. not dietitian. I've worked yeah. with a lot of people who are, and yeah. so I have some knowledge. And I do my own my own diet plans, but, um, but yeah, without knowing more about their blood work, you know, genetics, things like that, it's tough to make recommendations yeah. on that. <clears throat> so I guess like for, uh, let's talk about like you and your, your diet plan. Like, yeah. like how do you, what do you, what do you look at or what are some, some markers? That yeah. So for me, like <clears throat> right now, it's just, it's fairly simple. Um, you know, I'm trying to, uh, limit the amount of salt I'm taking in, um, you know, limit unhealthy fats, get a lot of good healthy fats. I tend to eat a higher protein diet. Um, that works well well for me. I metabolize protein more efficiently than carbohydrates or fats. So I tend to eat more protein because of that. I also do a lot of you know things that are gonna break down muscle fibers, weightlifting, training, things like that. And so a higher protein diet works well for me. And so I tend to follow that. Um, of course, we did some downsides of that, but I seem to do pretty well with that. Um, at least as well as one can hope to do with the by- some of the byproducts of protein metabolism. Um, and of course, you know, you try to limit like how much you're eating out, you know, things like that. There's obvious things that I, yeah. you know, that I avoid. I avoid, you know, I avoid, um, you know, I'm not going to go to McDonald's, things like that, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to limit how much sugar I'm taking in. Um, you know, I, avoid, I know I don't do well in gluten and dairy, so I avoid those pretty strictly. Okay. You know, of course, there'll be a little, if there's a little bit in like a sauce or something like that, I don't, I don't worry about that obsessively, yeah. but I'm definitely not going to go eat a pizza or something like that, yeah. you know. Um, I know I don't do well in those. Gabe... And like, like, do you well? Do you mean like what? Like, what's your body's I guess reaction to it? Or is it just <clears throat> yeah? So you know, primarily it's inflammation. inflammation. You know, gut yeah. issues, things like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> brain fog. Um, but and if I were to do it for longer periods of time, I think I'd experience even even worse side effects. You know, uh, long, okay. long term, right? Because it's like it yeah, carries exactly. Like day day. Yeah, if you do it once, you know, you're like, yeah. oh, I don't feel good. Your body will kind of process it out. But yeah, yeah if it builds up for longer and longer, then yeah. you're going to build up more long term problems as your body is more more under assault. Yeah, a lot of those things you can't handle the byproducts of. And um, <clears throat> so, like for Gabe, like I know he doesn't handle gluten that well either. Um, better than me, but not that well. I know he doesn't handle lactose that well. Um, you know. He's half black. That doesn't take a genius to figure it out. If yeah. you're black or Asian, you probably shouldn't be eating dairy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think everybody knows like Asians can't eat dairy, but but really, if you're African American, um, you handle it almost as badly as Asians. It's like I think it's like 88 percent of 
um, African Americans are probably lactose intolerant, something like that. So it's a pretty, pretty, pretty sizable percentage of the population. So that's probably a good one to avoid, unless you've never, you've noticed, you've never had problems with it, and and he has. So, um, so like you know, after he cut, made weight. He's like, I'm gonna go get this and this, and I was like, that's like gluten and dairy, and like, and you're fighting tomorrow, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what are you good, doing, good right? Luck. Yeah, 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 like, you know, enjoy yeah. your gluten-free pizza and your coconut ice cream, but like, let's not go crazy here, you know? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I try to keep him on track in terms of that. I think, you know, where I give him more advice probably is on supplementation, okay. things like that. So, um, which that's something I've done for myself for a long time. Um, that's kind of a lot of my own personal interest as well is in, is in that line. And I can see myself going more down that line of work eventually. Yeah, yeah so supplementation. Yeah, yeah. So like <clears throat> for Gabe's fight, for example. And uh, so we'll, we'll, give away, we'll give away one of, one of the secrets. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <clears throat> you know. Uh, it's, it's okay. They're like an hour in. Who knows? Yeah. Listening no one's listening yeah. anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, to- totally <laughs> wadding. You saw that approved. Nothing yeah. wrong with this. Uh, but not. I don't think it's so much talked about MMA is like using ketone esters. Ketone esters. For a fight. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So I like, think I've seen those in like Gabe's cover. Could you? Like yeah, you, you might have. And so, um, yeah, so obviously ketosis, popular yeah. diet, right? Ketogenic yeah. diet, you know, people are yeah. trying to burn those ketones for fuel. They're trying to burn that burn that fat for fuel. Um, there's some pros and cons to that for athletic endeavors. Um, for me, it didn't work well. I actually got really sick on it. Huh. And I, I forget the exact snips, but I have a few genetic factors where we could we know now that I'm not someone who would do well on ketosis. I really can't handle that much fat okay. in my diet. Um yeah, but of course, some people, yeah, some people handle it very well. It just depends yeah. on, on you individually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the ketone esters, basically you're putting like pure ketones. It's actually a drink. So you're okay. drinking it. It's like pure ketones. And so basically what's happening is you're giving your body pure energy. Um, and so when you go into something like an MMA competition, you're able to burn um, muscle glycogen, glucose for fuel. And you're also able to use the ketones. So you're basically running dual fuel sources. So it's like putting NOS in the engine. You can think of it like that. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you're probably not going to gas nearly as much as you would normally. Huh. Um, so that's something that we've used to give him that extra cardio boost to make sure he's not going to fatigue. Got it. Yeah. And then like, so what's like, the, I guess the time frame? Like, like, <clears throat> yeah, you'd want to take it like 30 minutes before an athletic endeavor, something like that. And it should last you for a couple hours anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not using it, it could last you longer. It could just be present in the body. But if you're going to go hard, you'll be good for a while. Okay. Um, <clears throat> assuming you're already in fairly good shape, things like that. But it will give you a performance boost no matter who you are. Um, so that's something we've used on fight day to get him ready for that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I recommend you take a lot of different things, um, just in general. So he's used things like uh, a product from ATP Sciences called Cortarex, which helps manage cortisol in the body. Okay. So it's got a lot of ashwagandha and other adaptogenic herbs. So they're able to basically upregulate or downregulate cortisol in the body, hmm. depending on you at the time. Usually, usually it's downregulating, right? So usually, it's usually cortisol is high. Usually, you're, you're overstressed, yeah. right? You're overstressed for for whatever reason, you yeah. know. And so you're bringing that back into balance. Obviously, high cortisol can have a lot of negative side effects. Um, you know, Gabe and I often talk about like if you have a lot of life stress, like your body doesn't know the difference. Yeah, like, your CNS doesn't know the difference. Like you're going to get fatigued. It's, it's going to react. Yeah. yeah. Now you can do less training, right? Yeah. Or you have to recover more. Yeah. And so no matter what, it's an it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a negative. It's an impairment. And so. Um, so just trying to help manage that, trying to manage that cortisol, manage, manage your stress in your life. Of course, there's a lot of other ways to do that too, but that's kind of a, ni- a nice help there. Um, uh, L-theanine, <clears throat> something else he's used. Um, wow. It's an amino acid. Um, it's actually found in green tea. Huh. Um, that's part of partially why people tend to get less jitters from green tea than from coffee, because coffee doesn't have L-theanine. And so <clears throat> you get all that caffeine, which is going to boost glutamate in the body, um, which is a... Uh, 
a neurotransmitter, and GABA is also a neurotransmitter, but GABA is primarily inhibitory. So basically, okay. it's going to help calm you down, right? It's inhibiting, you know, extra neurotransmitters moving around in your brain. So um, <clears throat> it'll basically help calm things down, um, whereas glutamate is going to boost it up. So like when I have coffee, I usually have theanine with it. So I'm getting a little bit of excitatory neurotransmitters, a little bit of inhibitory, and the result seems to be better than, than one or the other, or, but also better than either. Huh, um, okay. There's kind of a combination effect going on there. Um, but also, you talk about like boosting GABA in the brain, and the reason you take L-theanine instead of just GABA is because L-theanine can cross the blood-brain barrier. So if you just take pure GABA, it really can't get into your brain. It's not going to be able to do the good that you need it to do. Whereas L-theanine can cross the blood-brain barrier and then convert into GABA in the brain, mm. and that's how you boost levels of GABA in the brain. You can also use other things to get into the brain, cross the blood-brain barrier. But L-theanine is a <clears throat> very safe, easy compound, you know, natural um, amino acid. And, uh, you know, when you look at, like, fighters, especially MMA fighters, people are getting hit in the head for a living. Yeah. You know, if you look at someone who's had a brain injury <coughs> or a concussion, uh, your glutamate levels are significantly higher right afterwards, and your GABA levels are down. Huh. Um, and if you look at them a year later, uh, in, make, in most cases, in untreated, uh, the ratio is actually worse. So it actually doesn't get better over time. So your glutamate oh, levels continue to rise, uh, your GABA levels continue worse, to go uh, down. Uh-huh. Uh, that's why a lot of people are going to be more impulsive after a head injury, yeah. you know, more aggressive, right? They're more excitatory. They're more amped up. And so they're going to have trouble sleeping. They have, because, it, again, they have trouble with the inhibitory side of things. They have trouble calming down. They have trouble going to sleep. You know, um, <clears throat> They might have trouble with pain. And so a lot of that's like glutamate GABA balance. Because huh, basically um, uh, GABA can be created from glutamate. So there's a balance there between the two. And if things get off, that can cause you problems. And so for someone like a, someone who's getting hit, hit in the head for a living, yeah. that can be pretty important yeah. to put, put in a little bit more GABA in your brain. Um, can be really can be really key. Um, so that's, that's something we've, we've done as well. Um, I usually take like, take it like twice a day and that, you know, usually in the morning with coffee and then in the evening to help me sleep. And that, that's been really, really important for me, especially coming from a brain, someone who had a brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those levels can get pretty off. And, uh, <clears throat> and now that I look back at a lot of side effects I was having, you can attribute a lot of those side effects to that imbalance in your uh, brain. Okay. Yeah. So now, now you look back and it's like, oh, that's why it was this way. Or that's why, that's why you had trouble sleeping or you're more impulsive and more aggressive. And so it makes, makes a lot more sense now. Like, it's, you know, those neurotransmitters in your brain are really, really running your life, you know? <clears throat> um, yes, yeah, so we've done things like that. That's something I do a lot of. Um, <clears throat> So with Gabe, we kept it pretty simple. Uh, with my own supplement routine, it's a bit more complex. There's a lot of stuff going on with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I definitely use L-theanine. Um, I also use L-dopa sometimes. L-dopa? What, what's that? <clears throat> yeah, so L-dopa is the precursor to dopamine. The pre- okay. Yeah, so basically, again, it's kind of the same scenario. Dopamine doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. You take L-dopa, it crosses the blood-brain barrier, and then your body converts into dopamine in the brain. Okay. But actually, dopamine is also how your body makes norepinephrine and epinephrine. So like adrenaline. Oh. Your body actually makes that from dopamine. Huh. So if you're low in dopamine, you can you're actually going to end up probably low in adrenaline. Like having less adrenaline. Exactly, exactly. So if you have trouble with energy, you have trouble getting amped up, you know, and things like that, that can actually be uh, low dopamine, therefore low norepinephrine, low epinephrine. Um, especially if someone's following a vegetarian diet, that becomes much more common. Because when you're not supplementing like L-dopa or things like that into your di- into your uh, regimen, your body is doing its normal process, which is taking L-tyrosine and making L-dopa. And so basically... <clears throat> it's taking protein, like t- it's taking meat, yeah. and it's making dopamine Got it. through, so a, through a number of processes. So, um, <clears throat> so if you're a vegetarian, they're not taking as much. They're not taking as much. Yeah. Now, you can make it from another amino acid called phenylalanine, but that's a harder process. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to end up with less in the end mm-hmm. if you're not eating, not eating meat. And so vegetarians who are very aware of their diet and doing it intelligently can mitigate those effects and be fine. 
You know, I think you think that's a diet that you can do sustainably, but it's harder. It's more work. You need to know more. You need to yeah. do more supplementation. You need yeah. to really be aware of where you're getting your, your sources from, yeah. your food, your food, your protein, your carbohydrates, your fats. On a vegetarian diet, uh, it's a little more complicated. So I do take some old dope, but I tend to run lower in, 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 in dopamine in my brain. Um, so I'll take a little bit to boost that up. Um, you know, I know <clears throat> I tend to run a little bit lower in norepinephrine too, which is a lot of, uh, does a number of processes. can also be a feel-good hormone, things like that. Um, neurotransmitter and so I'll tend to boost that up a little bit and that's again making that from dopamine it's also making it um, from vitamin C and oxygen so basically you take dopamine vitamin C oxygen and then you can make norepinephrine huh. and then from there you make you make adrenaline okay and so like for me like if I take vitamin C every day um, sublingually orally and if I if and what before I was taking that a lot um, I definitely noticed a difference, and so because you don't have the necessary precursor to make that conversion, oh, and so like the further you go, you get, the further you can be more specialized in what you're doing. Um, especially for me, starting from a deficit, right? So like starting from a brain injury, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying, I was trying, I was trying to get back to baseline yeah. to be able to function, get right? Back to where you're at. <laughs> yeah, because I spent like it's been like four years being pretty much unable to function. Oh, like wow. I was trying to do stuff, I tried to go to school, but I really couldn't, mm-hmm. right? And it actually over four years, I actually got progressively worse, not better. That, that's fairly common with brain injuries, right? Because your your neurotransmitter levels off, your hormones are off, okay. and then now you're not sleeping. Now you're you know now you're not seeing your kind friends. Like it, it, it's a downward spiral, thing. and yeah. it can happen. It can happen pretty quickly, and can really wreck people, you know. Yeah. And so then I found the right um, right doctor, so I was doing the right things, and a lot of that was diet and supplementation and exercise and I was doing all those things. And so then you kind of build up, and then and then for me, it's been a constant progress over the past like eight years to continue to push that. Yeah. Um, and I think I I don't know at what point you're recovered. And at what point you're going beyond where you were before? So yeah. I, I think now, now I'm probably beyond, but you know, but you realize there's so much potential for change in the brain, like mm-hmm. that neuroplasticity, right? Yeah. Um, neurogenesis, regrowing the brain. And so there's really no, there's really no endpoint, right? Like your brain continue continue to adapt, and uh, so now I'm kind of going down that road of, I guess you could say, self experimentation and um, trying to trying to make pro- make progress mm-hmm. cognitively. Um, and there's a lot of interesting things for that, like interesting time for sure. You know, now you can. Um, you know, you can test your genes. You can know where you're going to be deficient. Yeah. Yeah. You can test your blood. You can test, uh, do a lot of saliva, yeah. you know, urine, things like that. And you can see where you are deficient in. Mm. Um, right? So your genetics give you one snapshot. But that's, again, that's like your tendencies. It's not your destiny, right? It's yeah. like, this is where you're likely to be. But who knows based on what you're, how you're doing, living your uh, life. What, how you're actually living. Yeah. Exactly. So you kind of get an idea. Then you go really test it in the real world. And then you okay. can make changes from then. Um, I think moving forward in my career, that's where a lot of my interest is, is probably moving into hopefully doing some independent medical research. Okay. Um, specifically dealing with what are called synthetic analogs of endogenous regulatory hormones. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of big words, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, they got, they got to use big words so that uh, so normal people don't start reading that, yeah, those papers, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, that's why scientific journals, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, normal use. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't want everybody yeah. reading this. No, yeah. so basically what that means is like, it's man-made. Okay. versions of things that naturally occur in the body uh, that control a lot of functions in the body. Okay. And so that's kind of like a big field of research now. It's really getting bigger. And that's where a lot of like peptides fall into. Okay. You, may, you may have heard that. I don't know. It's like, you know, like people like Joe Rogan have talked about that, stuff like that. Where that's, that's becoming like a bigger word where people now they've heard of peptides. And that's yeah. like peptides are like amino, chains of amino acids yeah. put together. People are starting to understand like yeah, they can, it's more of the vernacular. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they can control a lot of functions in the body. Right. Yeah. And so... You know, whether it's your endocrine system, your hormones, or your heart, or your brain, or um, your nervous system, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. And so there's literally probably hundreds of these peptides, and there's 
you probably and there's thousands of versions of each of those and so there's you know all this research going on and so that's where a lot of my interest lies now for sure um so i don't play played around with some of that um one thing that's kind of interesting that i use a lot of is called uh, cmax okay. yeah which is a uh, it's a prescription medication in russia okay um that's where it originally came out of created in the 80s mm -hmm. um in the u.s is un it's unregulated so totally legal to use totally legal to own um, but kind of operating that in that gray area for now. It's not FDA approved, so you're okay. not going to get it from your doctor, but okay. you can do it on your own. So, um, not working people do it, but that's just what I do. Yeah. Once again, not a medical professional. Not a medical professional. <laughs> yep. Got to, got to cover your ass. So, yeah. um, but that's something I use and I found definitely a major benefit from that okay. in terms of, uh, really, really in terms of neurogenesis. So, yeah. okay. um, cause especially when you start from a deficit, you need to really spark a lot of those. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> you got to, you got to regrow your brain, right? Yeah. To put it, to put it bluntly. And so there's a lot of different things that are going on in that process. Um, one of the things that's happening there is called uh, brain-derived neurotropic factors, which basically means like these are things that are going to boost your brain to be to heal yeah. more, right? Okay. You're encouraging that, and so that's something that CMX boosts significantly. Okay. Um, so that's one of the things that I found a lot of benefit from that. Um, and so I've used that for probably like yeah about two years now. So okay. has had some good results from that. Um, Pretty interesting compound, so there's a lot of research there that I'm kind of been kind of going more and more into deeper. Got it. Um, when you say benefit, like what's like, what is like the difference that you're feeling? Yeah, so there's <clears throat> with something like CMEX, there's like short-term and long-term benefits, <clears throat> yeah. which is different than a lot of the other so-called like smart drugs, like say modafinil, where I think modafinil is probably giving you a short-term benefit but a long-term harm, huh. or at the very least a long-term. Mm, neutral, we'll say. Yes, yeah, so I guess so. Uh, I'm not familiar with what modafinil is. <clears throat> yeah, so modafinil is kind of like the quintessential smart drug, smart drug uh, in yeah. the U.S. It goes by the name ProVisual uh, as a prescription medication. Okay. It's originally used to treat narcolepsy, keep oh, you okay. awake. To keep uh, awake. Yeah, but it does a bit. And it's it's a stimulant. It's a uh, but it's different than something like Adderall, which is obviously um, amphetamine based. Yeah. But it's different than that. Um, I'd say it has a little bit more um, cognitive boosting effects than just being a stimulant. It's a little different than just caffeine. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was originally used for narcolepsy. Now it's used for a number of off-label purposes in the United States. Okay. But that's going to be pretty different than something like CMAX. Where CMAX, so CMAX, there's a short-term benefit. Um, <clears throat> I would say it's very active in the body for a couple hours. But then it's having also a uh, longer-term effect for about 24 hours. But from long-term sustained use, say over three months, you're, you're going to start to get permanent changes in the brain. So that's when I think you really start to see a lot of that neurogenesis, brain healing, um, if, you, if, you have that, if you have that as a problem. It's also going to improve like long-term memory recall, things like that. Okay. And that effect is actually permanent. So if you stop taking it, you will keep those benefits. Yeah. So it's not just when you're on it. It's actually, it's actually it's improving actually, your brain. Uh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you take it for two years and you notice the differences. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things going on with CMAX. It's a pretty interesting one. It's actually, um, there's some similarities to it to like cortisol, actually. Really? And some okay. stress hormones, but it operates completely differently. Huh. Um, <clears throat> so with a lot of these peptides, what they do is they take something that's like a hormone, a peptide, um, <clears throat> that has like a really long chain of amino acids. So like CMAX is based on what's called adrenocorticotropic hormone, which is basically working to signal um, around, around the brain. And uh, they took a snippet of that. Because basically, if you put that in the body, it doesn't really work that well. It doesn't really survive. So if you just put that more of that in the body, you're, gonna, you're trying to get the effect that it's getting naturally, but it doesn't really work as well. And maybe you don't really want to encourage more than natural effects. And so what, what people have been doing for since the you know, past like 30, 40 years is they've been modifying these. Yeah. And so they're basically taking a snippet, a few amino acids, so maybe like in this case, like four through seven. So they took a small snippet of a 39 chain amino acid, and they took that, 
and then in CMAX's case, they actually added on to it, uh, like a, what's called a tripeptide end. So they took three amino acids, proline, glycine, and proline, and they combined the two. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a, a, a synergistic effect that's different than either one of those alone. Mm, I see. Right. And so actually... By, trying to, by combining them. Yeah, exactly. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a good benefit, and you're also trying to make sure that benefit actually is able to survive in the body. You know, if it's only happening for a few seconds, it's really not going to do you much good. Yeah. And so you're trying to encourage survival of that. And obviously, in this case, the CMAX, you're trying not to induce stress, panic attacks in people. But actually, it actually has an anti-anxiety effect instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is, which is really interesting. And so there's a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff going on there, so that's kind of a lot of, where a lot of my interest is in now, is, you know, looking at, you know, like, how does that work? How does How is it an anti-anxiety uh, drug? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does it survive in the body? And there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of interesting research there. Um, and there's a lot, obviously, still to be done. Um, and something like CMAX is actually interesting because if you are not stressed, it won't bring you down, right? It's not a Xanax. It's not a benzodiazepine. Okay. It's not going to make you, like, cognitively impaired. You're not going to be tired. Yeah. Um, it'll probably just keep you kind of, kind of a nice level, maybe slightly more focused baseline. Okay. Uh, a lot of people talk about, like, clarity. Gives you more clarity. Okay. Um, but if you're stressed, you're under assault, maybe you have a big fight and you don't tend to function well under stress. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going out on a date, whatever it is, like if it's in, if there's some sort whatever, of stress in you, gives you anxiety. whatever yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. Um, Cmax will help bring that down. Ah, so basically, when certain genes start to be overstimulated, Cmax will bring it down. So it's almost like but if, but if you're a baseline, it's not going to take you too low. Got it. Um, and so actually, what what seems to be similar to that is like a lot of these like natural adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha, where like they're called adaptogens because they can help either bring you up or bring you down depending on where you're at. Right, so if you're if you're if you're too if you're too amped up, it's not going to continue to amp you up. Mm-hmm. But if you're low, it actually can amp you up. Got it. And so it can kind of go either way. And CMAX seems to have some of those similar effects, so similar which is that, really that interesting. Kind of yeah, because okay. a lot of those things think have a lot more benefit, right? Because yeah. you can take them depending on your on your mindset on your mind yeah. state, and um, they can have positive effects either way. Yeah, it has yeah. varied uses than just simply taking it. Away. Exactly. Like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, that can something like that can have a lot of positive. Positive benefit, uh, for sure. And so there's a, I think I think a lot of like you know MMA guys know a little bit about nootropics, which is like kind of that more, which yeah, is typically called like the cognitive yeah. boosting side of supplementation. Yeah, uh, probably probably like on it, like Alpha Brain things like that, Joe Rogan things like that. Um, which of course certainly do work. Like if you look at the ingredients law that like that alphine I mentioned, like that's in Alpha Brain I think, and yeah. I think like L tyrosine, which is the precursor dopamine, is also in there. Mm. And so like there are things that are proven to work and really do work in those in those supplements. Um, the course, the downside is that everybody's getting the same things, right? So like you and me are not going to be deficient in the same things. It's not tailored. But if we take that, we're going to get the same things. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like a cookie cutter kind of Exactly. Product. Which okay. of course you can't sell a product to everybody. Yeah. Otherwise, it's right? Like, yeah, it's not like, what, it's not like, it's like, you know, trying to sell everyone the same size t-shirt. Like, hope exactly. It works for you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's yeah. what you got to do. And, um, you know, a lot of people get benefit out of it, but, um, you know, a lot of those have a lot of choline sources, things like that, which can be kind of excitatory. So, like, huh, if you're someone who tends to have anxiety, some of those kind of com- combination that, supplements that might make, it might make not, you too anxious. It may yeah, not be good for you. So, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things there, and of course, that applies to, um, you know, getting the best performance athletically. You know, also just living your life. You know, I always feel like. If your plan for competition is to go into a competition and turn it on day of, that, that's not <laughs> that's good. A horrible plan. That's not good. It's a horrible that's, plan, right? That's, that's actually not a plan. It's, it's not a plan. It's, yeah, it's I not just, good. I just hope to work with. It. It's not good, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. You need to lead to live the life. Yeah. You need to live the life, right? Yeah. And so I think like a lot of those things, they are performance enhancing, you know, supplements. Yeah. Uh, because of how they're affecting your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. They're allowing you to get better quality training, be more focused, recover faster, mm-hmm. you know, have less stress, whatever it is that allows you to 
get better quality rests, better quality training, you know, throughout your whole year, so your life. So yeah, the kind yeah. of body optimization kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. I guess so. I mean, you mentioned you know tests like you know gene tests and blood work tests. And, mm-hmm. Like I guess so. What uh, what tests have like you taken? And I guess like you said, it's like um, it's not like. Like it's not it's not destiny, but it just shows like kind of where, where you're at. Like, yeah. so what are some good markers that you've seen from the tests that you've done, or like what markers have you found that provide you good information? Yeah, so I went through Twenty Three and Me, which is yeah. probably the most popular yeah. genetic testing there is. Um, they do a good job. They give you a number of things you can look at right away. You know, you can say, hey, you're at risk for Huntington's disease, or you're not, right? And certain things like that are really simple because there's like one gene we've attributed to that. And things like schizophrenia are much more complicated because there's like a thousand genes that, a, that are markers for that. Yeah. So like then they yeah. can't really give you that information, yeah. right? Um, but what else it is, they give you, you can download your raw data. So it's a massive file with everything on there that they test for. Which is not everything you would want, but it's most of the things you would want. Most of the okay. And then you can export that raw data to a third party. And then they can give you more information than 23 and does. So like more detail in that. Yeah, so like one is okay. what we call like self-decode. So you can take your 23 and me raw data, put it in there. And you can like basically do a search in their search engine mm-hmm. for any gene mm. or any like health issue supplement, and it will tell you how your genes relate to that, huh. or whether you have this issue or not, or whether you might or not. And, it can, and they also kind of try and attribute like you know how much significance is there to that gene based on the research that's been done. You know, maybe maybe it's kind of considered insignificant, maybe it's not. You know, and that could change over time as you do more research. But it's giving you the best best information we have now. Um, We've also seen another company called Stratagene, which really specializes in looking at like methylation and things like that. A lot of the psych- methylation the cycles methylation. in the body. Okay. Yeah, which is a big part of like life in general. Um, and that actually can give you a lot of interesting snapshots of how some of these um, nootropics will affect you as well. So like someone like me, when I take like L-dopamine, I get excess dopamine. So dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine are all three in a group of what's called catecholamines. So that's just like the name of like those three neurotransmitters. Okay. They all fit that certain structure, chemical structure. Okay. And um, so my body has trouble with what's called methyltransferase, which basically means like when it's time to recycle those and move them on, get rid of them, um, I have trouble with that. So like that tells me like, hey, I, I, I'm running low on dopamine. I should take a little bit, but I shouldn't take too much because I, I can't take up the trash. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I need a little bit more, but I can't deal with the side effects. So don't take too much. And so that can give you a lot of information, you know, before you end up going out and taking things. Um, or it can tell you why you had reactions to certain things. Mm. You know, why maybe you took this and you felt good for a week and then you started feeling worse. It's because you were low, but now you got too much. Right? Yeah, and so, balance. Yeah, and if you don't know that, you're just thinking, like, what the hell? Like, I've yeah. been taking this, it's working great, and now all of a sudden I feel terrible. You know, why is that? And yeah, so that's like kind of deciphering more into, like, how exactly it's working. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. How it's affecting you. Yeah, so you got to pay attention to your body. And then, you know, of course, me, I do a lot of blood work done a lot of like saliva, urine, um, stool testing, things like that, um, hair testing. And I can give you a lot of information on, you know, um, you know, whether it's your hormones or your labs, different levels, things like that. And then you can make more educated decisions after that, uh-huh. you know? And so I know like, yeah, I guess so like what levels like do you look at like in those kind of tests? Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot, yeah, obviously there's it's, a lot, a, lot, yeah. it's a lot of data. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for like training, one of the more interesting things is probably hormones. Okay. Right, like if your cortisol is super jacked up, that's probably a problem. If you got a ton of est- if you got yeah. a ton of estrogen, that's probably not good for fighting, right? Yeah, like you know, you don't you don't need to have a stay at home, have babies, and raise a family. Mm-hmm. Probably if you're going to be fighting the cage. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, um, obviously you might be raising kids, things like that, but like you probably shouldn't have super high estrogen levels. If you have really low testosterone as a fighter, that's probably not great. That's probably not, that's great. Probably not good. Like yeah. I think everybody can tell that, right? Yeah. So like that, obviously that, that can give you a good snapshot of your body and um, can tell you, you know, maybe why you are certain ways and things you can change, you know, then you can make educated decisions or you might say, oh, like, you know, I've been doing these things in my life or like with my diet, you know, or um, you might say, hey, my cortisol is really high. Or this is really high. Like. Maybe I'm getting bad quality sleep, you know, or things like that. Like, you know, clean up the simple stuff first. Like, maybe I'm, like, staring at my phone, like, all night before I go to bed. So maybe, like, because that blue light, like, inhibits melatonin production, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, like, I have trouble sleeping. Well, it's like, okay, do you look at your phone all night? Do you look at your computer all night? Like, you know, if you do, it may change that habit. Or at least use, like, some of the amber blocking glasses so you don't get so much blue light in. Because even that blue light, like, that's your body's signal to, like, produce cortisol because it thinks, like, hey, it's morning, I need to wake up. Uh, you're trying to do that before you go to bed. Like, it's probably not going to be great for you, right? So, better, yeah. yeah, so you can wear, like, what they call, like, it's called, like, um, blue light blocking glasses. Okay. The, they kind of look like stupid glasses with, like, an amber tint. And uh, so well, I, that's I, essentially I wear those light. blue light. Yeah, I'm just yeah. blocking that blue light. I'm trying to not inhibit my own natural melatonin production because, like, what's really common now is, like, you look at a lot of people our age. Yeah. And they have problems with melatonin. Like, they take melatonin as a supplement yeah. and they sleep better. Yeah. Which really shouldn't be the case. Like, if you're below 50, you really should not need melatonin supplementation. To go, okay. Right. But it's yeah. probably because they're looking at screens all day yeah. and at night. <clears throat> and that's really causing that melatonin inhibition. Mm. Um, I mean, inhibiting production of melatonin. So, yeah. So, like, you really should be probably changing your lifestyle more than yeah. supplement melatonin. Like, say, hey, supplement it in the meantime. But, like, maybe change maybe this look, lifestyle like it, factor. Yeah. Maybe yeah. look at some other factors. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Is there any, like, drawbacks to, like, to taking melatonin? Yeah. Um, not the best of my knowledge. Um, it's, again, it's one of those things where I think, you know, you supplement where you need to, but if you can change that lifestyle factor, maybe that change in your diet, that's probably simpler. Yeah. You know, there can always be, you know, whether it's like there's fillers in the pills sometimes, depending on the quality, mm-hmm. you know, or the price just adds up if, if there's not, you know, so there's, there's always going to be little things. Yeah. There can always, there can always be downside supplementation and there can always be upsides. And so, yeah, if, if you don't need it, it's nice not to do it. I think it's a... A simpler process when you can let your own body do the work but in many cases it simply can't you know like you know like things like vitamin d3 right that you're gonna get from sunlight like if you live in washington state like <laughs> you're probably like today yeah. is great I mean, but today, like yeah but today is like you know how how often yeah it's a sunny, yeah it's a sunny day right now. but in general you're gonna be low in it right yeah. so you should probably supplement that you know yeah. if you live in la you probably don't need to yeah. you know um if you need a lot of fish you, sh- you can probably get your fish oil from that you know um <clears throat> If, you know, you're trying to watch your money and you're not trying to eat fish every, you know, like at least three, four times a week, you know, then yeah, maybe you, uh, maybe supplement some fish oil because it's going to be cheaper, you know. But of course you got to pay attention to whether that fish oil is good quality or not, yeah. right? Because you can get a lot of heavy metals. You actually get heavy metal from fish, fish oil. From fish oil as well. Right, because if yeah. it's bad quality. Because of, yeah, pure, yeah. What, where their sources. Yeah. yeah, or if you're getting like fish oil burps if you take it, that means it's rancid. Oh, it's like that, really that's, that's not a normal part rancid. of fish oil. Yeah. Ah, okay. And you can actually put it in the freezer and freeze it. I believe, and if it comes out kind of cloudy, that's usually a sign that it's bad quality. That it's bad quality, yeah. for sure. Yeah, okay. but basically a good way is, like, if you're buying at the grocery store or the, the drugstore, it's probably bad quality, <laughs> is, is, is the honest answer, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, like, what, what sources do you, like, use, I guess, for your, for your supplementation, or, like, what, what research do you do before you, when you look into it? Yeah, so, like, a lot of things I take are things that I was, like, told to take by, uh, NDs or MDs, things like that, you know, that, yeah. that I worked with based on my results and where I was at, you know, and that I've, in many cases, I've just continued with the same companies because they recommend them to me. I've had good results on them. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of continue with it. So there's a number of companies that I'll buy from. A lot of them sell on Amazon, uh, like Metagenics, Thorn, uh, Pure Encapsulations, Apex Energetics. So yeah, um, I 
can't remember the others. But anyway, number 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 of good companies out there for sure. Um, yeah, that I'll that I'll utilize and um, yeah, good 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 results from and you know just try and be intelligent with like what you're taking and how much you're taking and like um, there's a few things that I really always tell people like if they take vitamin D, probably take some vitamin K two with it. Okay. Um, what, what's the reasoning for that? Yeah, so vitamin K two is kind of like uh, it's become much more commonly talked about recently. <clears throat> But it's been kind of misunderstood for a long time because people hear vitamin K and they think vitamin K1. And vitamin K1 is a blood thinner, right? Uh, so like, okay. And that's what's present in like a lot of dark leafy greens. So they would always tell people, like, hey, if you're taking like warfarin or, or like blood, common blood thinners, like don't take vitamin K, right? Because you're going to thin your blood out too much. It's too much of an anticoagulant. Um, but now, now they actually tell people typically it's not an issue. Go ahead and eat your dark leafy greens. And if your if your blood tests are coming back wrong, we'll just adjust your dosage based on the way you like to eat, which is nice, right? Because as much love as the negative impact on you living your life, you can eat what you want, live your life, and they'll adjust your your your, your supplements, your drugs from your doctor um, based on that. Um, but vitamin K two is different. So, but because they're both called vitamin K, people always get them confused, and they think there's just there's just one vitamin K. But they're not, and they're actually really not that related at all. <laughs> but they're both. I'm not entirely K. sure why they call it both <laughs> yeah. vitamin K, but it makes yeah. it really confusing. Yeah. And mostly that like naming system for vitamins is pretty arbitrary. Yeah. Um, so again, vitamin K1, blood thinner. Vitamin K2 manages calcium in the body. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so like, so like when you typically in the Western diet, we're not low in calcium, right? We tend to be low in magnesium because there's a relationship between calcium and magnesium, but we're almost never low in calcium, right? Like there's always calcium in everything. Not everything, but we, we tend to put more calcium in things. Yeah. And there's already quite a bit in just the diet we normally eat. Yeah. So it's rarely an issue. So typically when people say like, hey, I have low bone density. That's you know, not due to lack of calcium. It's usually not due to lack of calcium. It's lack of calcium going the places it should go. Uh, okay. Right? And so what happens is like that's a mismanagement of calcium in the body. Mm. And so vitamin K2 is, what the, is the vitamin that manages calcium in the body. Mm. And so basically because what happens is if it doesn't end up in, in your bones – in your teeth, places you want it to go, it can end up in your arteries. That's when you get like, oh, like arterial blocking. calcification. Okay. Yeah. So like that's actually, there's a big correlation between like bone, low bone density and heart attacks. Oh, because. Right. Because that calcium is just going to the wrong place. Got it. So. Yeah. Um, and there's, the other, and with like vitamin D, um, you basically end up activating a lot of these vitamin K2 dependent proteins. And so it's a good idea to take them both together, but it's a good idea to take vitamin K2 in general because it's not something you typically get in the Western diet. Like there's a little bit in egg yolks. Um, it's high in like natto, like Japanese fermented soybeans. Oh, okay. But yeah. like, unless you're Andrew Wang, who's eating that? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like you said, not common. In, in not common. Not common. Okay. Yeah. So probably a good idea so to supplement K2, that. Not vitamin K1. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're an athlete, like yeah. you know, you don't want to have low bone density. No. So like you know, kind of need those bones. Take a little yeah. bit. Take a little bit. You don't probably don't need the vitamin K1. You know, you're probably if you're eating a good diet, you shouldn't need that. Mm. But K2, that's probably one you do need. Um, and again, unless you're eating natto and a few other select foods like that, which most people probably aren't. Yeah. So at least not at least not regularly. <laughs> I mean, it kind of tastes terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Natto every yeah. day. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah natto for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. So there's certainly things where like um, you can assume someone's probably low in it just based on the general Western diet. So. Um, yeah. So that's definitely something to something to look at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, covered 
covered a lot of things. Like any anything that you want to go over, or anything you want to say, like. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll just say you know, Sea Town Grappling. Uh, grappling. We we pay our taxes you guys every do year. Taxes, right? We pay our taxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're definitely a, we're definitely a tight knit community, but we also do a lot of hard training. Yeah. Um. So you know, Andrew, and I think Andrew, you know, he he looks at us as he he, he that's what he values the most, right? Yeah. Is the community the side community, of it, and I think I think center. I think we all value that a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, he definitely got thrown a few hard, few hard times for making us sound like someplace <laughs> the YMCA. Yeah. So uh, you know. <laughs> We're a pretty hardcore gym. We've been around since the mid '90s, and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're definitely looking to uh, to throw a pin, submit, yeah. and, and work hard off of that. And of course, we like to do just a lot of stand up and groundwork as yeah. well. You know, um, um, a lot of good coaching uh, for that. You know, our main coach Aaron Fields has not been around as much lately. This with his work schedule moving to Bainbridge, um, but now our now our head coach Lana Ramirez, um, very high level judo black belt. And so we all got to, to really, really fine tune our stand up a lot, you know, whether it's with the footwork and Kazushi the pull yeah. and things like that. So we had a lot of benefit in that. And um, yeah, so we're we're there. We're training. Come yeah. on in. Yeah. Check it out. It's not the YMCA. <laughs> it's not. It's not the YMCA. Like yeah. you know, we train smart. We train yeah. safe. But uh, we certainly train hard. Yeah. So you know, expect to work. Expect to work. Nice. Uh, and yeah, the website's just ctowngrappling.com, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Ctowngrappling.com. Sunday, Monday. Wednesday, Thursday, 7 to 9. We also do some beginner classes on Sundays and Thursdays. Yeah. yeah, you can check out the website. Give us a call. Where's the location at? Uh, yeah, it's uh, we're just at the end of Lake City Way, okay. Maple Leaf area. I believe it's 7754 15th Avenue Northeast, Seattle. So, yeah, North Seattle. Uh, one exit south of Northgate, basically. Uh, pretty accessible. And, um, yeah, if you want to do some stand-up, some groundwork, it's a good spot. Yeah. For sure. Nice. A place that definitely does their taxes. A place that definitely does their taxes. You yeah. know, we may we may be a nonprofit, but we still we still pay our taxes, and uh, every year. Yeah. <laughs> every year. Yeah. As Andrew knows, that's yeah. something you actually have to do every year. Every year. Not just once. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your time, Brendan. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know why I shook your hand, but oh well. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody.